Hi, this is Michelle Fife, creator of Copra, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> going to be interesting to say the least it was a little oh, bit of the yeah. motor at the end of it right yeah that's yeah. nice though we'll that, that hey, hey cool i can ask chad you know come on out every thursday nice job chad thanks chad Jeez. you know there was a list of things that people in advanced age say and uh, mostly white people in advanced age and i'm reading it i'm giggling because like Maybe there was 10 on the list, and I do like three of them. <laughs> so it's like, no, stop. Like when you sit down and you go, ah, like I do that a lot, and I don't know why. Well, that's, and that's, that, that's what Homeboy is doing on the Geico commercial. No, the progressive commercial where he's teaching people how not to be their parents. And it's like, and the guy sits down in the chair, and he does. He lets out the fucking sigh. Yeah. And Homeboy's like, yeah, you heard it, right? You heard that? Yeah, yeah, we heard that. I just and don't it's... understand it. Yeah, no, it's it's a thing. It is a thing. There's no reason for it, though. I'm not out of breath. I'm 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 not exasperated. I'm just me. And yet, when I sit down, yeah, you're comfortable. <laughs> it's it's it's, it's it's silly and stupid, and I have to stop doing it. And I just fell off my chair, and as did you, <laughs> because this right. Yeah, this is a mess already. It's eleven o'clock comics, episode seven hundred and twenty-eight, and I'm Vince B. Woo. You are Vince B. It's been a long week. I missed you guys. I am David A. Price. I have uh, checked your eyeballs so I can verify that because I'm Rick Deckard. Mm. Wow, nice. In- interesting. Why are you little... Rick Deckard? Why not? No, that's a pat answer. Why? Why are you? Oh, because I finally watched uh, Blade Runner 2049. Oh, sweet. I still have yet to see it. I do. I just watched it myself, so I can't. I Damn. can't chastise you because I too took uh, way too long to do it. But I, I am very pleased that I watched it this weekend. Ah, I heard they they do good things with. It. I heard there's a lot of bonus material on this too, which is irrelevant. Um, yeah, well, I, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> I would not. Die. You know me with the bonus on that. Yeah, but uh, you're not decked. You're Jason Wood. Everybody here today on this Thursday episode. Unfortunately, guess what? The list of specials. Has not been posted. Oh, damn it. I'm sorry on Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. But rest assured, once they do post them, the discounts will be deep and super plentiful. I tiptoed through all of the previews. And uh, my video is probably going to go up on Saturday. There's a lot of stuff this time. Um, most uh, Mostly the uh, cull omnibus from marvel that's going to be mine that has my name written all over it right uh but i there's no specials yet so you're just gonna have to be patient and just sit there and once they're up i'll we'll get them to you but in the meantime go to dcbservice.com so you could see all the stuff that you missed from last month like super discounted stuff crazy discounts dcbservice.com just go there yes go there go not now. Uh, I, I haven't. Uh, I haven't finished going through the main catalog. I finished going through the 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 big two, and um, I'm trying to take care of a couple of the things I have. I'm, I'm going to send you guys 
the the list for the book of the month so we can whittle it down and so i i'll have my video soonish i just um i'm trying to manage my time so that other things that should be a priority uh like taping up some care packages and stuff get done before I, the, the video is is something I, I need to do but it's not at the top of the list of everything that needs to get done you still got a, like a week or two yeah, yeah 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 yeah. i just got my previews today so yeah nice um there is um i don't know where my mind went i had something i was going to say and it just went right down the toilet oh sorry that's all right uh, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Most of it's in the, the main catalog. Uh, like I said, aside from the, the, the call omnibus, not a whole lot of stuff from, from Marvel and, uh, even less, uh, surprisingly from DC, but, uh, we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. Right. And what are we talking about videos? Do you even know? No, that's because we do them for our patrons. You know, that Patreon thing, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We do a video every month for the patrons. We give them extra bonus content that will also, oddly enough, drop Saturday. It's going to be four and a half hours of extra stuff that the main feed people don't hear. So uh, if you want to be one that gets in on the inside track, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Take a look around. If you like what you see, you know, call me. And and we'll we'll set you up. There you go. I'm going to be so disappointing tonight to to both of you. Oh, I didn't have time to get any any wine on the way home, so I'm drinking cherry limeade water. Sounds delightful. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's that clear American stuff. It's really good. Mm-hmm. That's it. I that's, respect it. That's my drink yeah. roll call. Cherry limeade. Oh, uh, it would no. probably be good with some, uh, like uh, I don't, I don't know, maybe a vodka. In vodka, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But I don't have any vodka. So it's nice cold vodka, so. but yeah, okay. Well, it depends on the vodka, but yeah. I can't drink stuff that tastes good. Alcoholic stuff. I should, I should tweak that. Um, if it tastes uh, really good. Stuff? No, well, no. If it's sweet and it tastes really good, like um, uh, the, I know that it's not top shelf, but that Smirnoff stuff tastes really good to me. Like I like the sweetness of it, so I drink and drink and drink and drink and drink, and I get stupid. But so with the with the with the wine, I like the taste of wine, but it's not like give me more, right? It's not sweet to the point where you have to have another drink and another drink and another, like you know. So that's why I, I don't like things super sweet. It's just a, an impulse to drink, to consume more when it's really sweet. You know, I like the sweet stuff. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why you like us. It's true. It's very true. What you drinking, Jason? Got some hot tea, a little lemon, a little Splenda. Explosive bowel movements, man. It's going to just be boom, come right out of you. No, no, you do it again. You, got, you get the wrong sweetener. I know. I do it on purpose. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Dap, uh, I guess you're going to have to legitimize the uh, drink roll call. I, I, <laughs> I will. I mean, I have a bottle of um, Soda Stream Seltzer right next to me for when I finish this bottle. Uh, this glass. Sorry, this bottle. This glass. Um, I mean, burgers for dinner. So I had, I had some bourbon with that, but I didn't want to 
keep that train going. So I have a bottle that I a bottle of wine I picked up yesterday. It's called One Thousand Stories Gold Rush Red from California. It's bourbon barrel aged, and first time having it, and it ain't gonna be the last. There's, uh, it, it's not the, the bourbon isn't overpowering. It's not really hitting you over the head like some of the other wines that are aged in bourbon barrels can be it's this is a bit smoother i like it a lot uh but i think i'm 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 good with the drink for tonight so once i finish the little bit that's in this glass i uh i'll be joining you all and just uh sipping on some water no shame nope absolutely not every once in a while you just you know it's it's you don't need to overdo it not every once in a while. You shouldn't overdo it. Everything's in moderation. But yeah, there's those there are times where it's like, listen, I'm I'm good. I wanna keep my senses about me and uh I don't wanna feel crappy. Which can happen. Yeah, but the, you know, there are times when you take a little bit too much and that leads to stories and stories live forever, right? So Indeed. I'm just saying, right? Hey, thanks for shaking my hand in the bathroom. Uh that wasn't your hand. that's for the thing that's no it's for everyone all right we got lots of comics to talk about i was looking on the on the list and there's just like a good week a plethora of things was it though like it was a it was a very um hyped week like intense hype but was it good well okay i will be i'll tee it up for you jason Mm-hmm. Uh, because I want to hear your thoughts on something. But I will say, um, I've read something solely on the basis of the creator. I had so zero... Do you do that quite often? Yeah, but but this is this is less interest in a property than I usually have. Okay. Um, but it, the, the, the person that did it is very high on my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like, all right, I'll check this out. Uh, and I, by the end of it, I was actually mad that it was released in, in floppy format because it was so beautiful, so well done, that I think it, it, it should have, from right out the gate, it should have come out in a prestige format. And it's on your list. And it's on David's list, too, that he just he just added it, you sneaky little bastard. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about um, Demon Days, X-Men. Yes, sir. By Peach Momoko. It's it was outstanding. It's it's a gorgeous book. No. Yeah, I mean, um, I think it was gorgeous to look at. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know that there was much of a narrative, but I, I I thought it was gorgeous, and I'm glad it exists. She's it's the first interiors I've ever seen of her. You know, we met her at C two E two. Yeah, and I got a commission from her. She's part of the essential sequential team. Um, and so I was excited like you, I'm sure, when I saw that she was going to be doing a comic, especially an X-Men comic. Um, I didn't, I guess I didn't have much expectation into what it was going to be. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. I, I, I mean, it's, it's almost like, a comic book filled with the most pristine Japanese style tattoo work I've ever seen. Like it's that kind of style, you know? So she even draws like a koi at one point, which is 
very evocative of all that. Right. So yeah, I thought it looked amazing. Like it was jaw droppingly beautiful. Um, and your reservations about it not being in prestige hardcover, I think it's probably because there's more to come, right? Like they have Marco yeah. coming, and then right. so one, it's once once I think they're calling it the Demon Day Saga. Once all that's all of it's done, I'm sure we'll get a nice big hardcover of it. Yeah, and I will buy it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. It's book I think, one of five, right? Yeah, it's book one of five. Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't know there was going to be five of them. I think yeah. you're I think you're underselling it a little bit because the the visuals are just astounding, but the story's traditional. Like it's it it plays out like a traditional Japanese. Uh, a, a folk story, right? It's it, the Oni and the the um, the humans are at odds odds because the the humans are encroaching upon the Oni's territory, and and he has not enough uh, room to feed his little one, and 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 things are tight, and so in comes you know the samurai to to help out. I thought it was like it's pretty standard stuff, right? Uh, but yow, when it's filtered through that Momoko lens, it's just gorgeous, beautiful, amazing. The watercolor treatment is just yikes. I couldn't get enough. I was like, X-Men. And it really doesn't have, other than the fact that Momoko, um, perpetuates the notion that Wolverine did in fact come from a dog. Uh, is another (laughs) thumbs up for me, but yeah. (laughs) And the, (laughs) the dog's name's Logan. That was, I saw that and I'm like, what? Jason's not gonna play that. <laughs> but uh, as, as far as that, like the dog being named Logan, I really didn't see much of a connection to X Men other than. That's what I was gonna say. Is I I think I would have preferred if this was just a uh, Peach Momoko doing something creator owned at Oni or Boom and just yeah. telling me, you know, or Dynamite. Like I, didn't, I didn't. What or Dynamite. <laughs> I mean, no. I don't. I guess I don't perceive Dynamite as doing this kind of work, but well, she's got an in. She's been doing a a, a ton of, of variant covers for the people at Dynamite. So oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's drop dead gorgeous. I mean she's a, she's an amazing artist. I, um, but yeah, I don't. I don't even know. Like, like I was curious about what she would be as a sequential artist. I don't even know if it's really a sequential book. Really, I mean it's. I guess it is. It felt a lot like a lot more like beautiful pinups, but. But there are sequentials, so that's that's not fair. But um, yeah, I, I I mean I have questions like to, like Tony Felisa, like I have questions. I like how long did this take her? Like is it it's again it's part one of five, but I'm I'm not sure how that works because it's pretty much stands on its own as a as a folk tale. So why is it one of five? How is it going to tie into the, to the next issue? And I know we'll have answers to that when the next one comes out, but. Um, this and and the second issue isn't coming out until June, so that tells me it takes her a very long time to do these books, right? Yeah, I mean, what four or five months a book, which That's means great. we're probably probably not going to get the end until end of twenty twenty two. That's okay. Uh, this level of of commitment, uh, visual commitment, mm-hmm. takes time, right? And yeah, I'll yeah. I'll gladly wait for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not at all surprised that you ate this up. I mean, given your absolute adoration for, you know, just about every type of Japanese art. Yeah. So yeah, I, I thought it was a, a grand slam home run, right? Or that's irrelevant or, or redundant. I don't have to say grand slam home <laughs> run. It's a grand slam, right? Right. Right. Um, but it's really weird, and I may make you cry uh, when the last page, uh, Mariko. I was like, huh. That's the second time this week 
I read a story with, uh, at least not maybe not with, but connected to Mariko. I'm like, oh, Jason would would appreciate that. I'm I'm rereading the the original Wolverine series. Wow! From the beginning, uh, because wow. because yeah, because in this uh, or in last month's previews, the Wolverine Epic Collection number one yep. was yep, solicited, yep. and that reprinted. Uh, Wolverine one to I think what was it David seventeen or sixteen or yeah. yeah 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 and I was like huh I, I really enjoyed those let me go back and see if they hold up and I'm on issue like four and I was like this is really too good for Wolverine see that's <sighs> no I'm not being I'm not being hurtful <laughs> at least you know I'm not intending to hurt you but. He's not high on my list of, of favorite characters, right? Oh, I know that. Right, but in the hands of Basima, and and, and Basima's inked by Williamson, shut up. Yeah. You know, and, and Sienkiewicz, uh, and, and then you got Gene Colan coming on doing Wolverine's like, it's it's ridiculously good. And, and I, whether you want to admit this or not, taking him out of the X-Men and putting him into a pulpy scenario with pirates and local mob bosses and hitmen and the whole you know Japanese angle. Uh, I think that's where Wolverine really works for me in in a, in a in a pulp character like uh, scenario. Put him in the the brown and the yellow and stick him in the X Men. Whatever. I I I could take him or leave him. But but in Madripoor, I think that that was magic for that character. Uh, well, I, I mean, I love them all. I, 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 that's one of the reasons he's one of my favorite characters. Is I, I love that he can be, he he can and has been used in lots of different settings in lots of different ways to uh, great effect. So, um, I, I loved the, I love Matrapor patch. I'm all yeah, about it. Yeah, and um, I'm going to hand it over to David. But I, I, I like the the Madripoor the best. But then then you get Sylvester. With LCD, it's like the, mm-hmm. the Wolverine series was, I'm going to be uh, atypical because you're not going to hear this out of my mouth very often. The Wolverine solo series was great for a lot of issues. It, it goes down the toilet around, I don't know, like when, when I don't know if it was Andy or Adam. Like when the Cuberts got their right. hands on it, it was like the okay, stuff yeah, or, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't great. And and when you know Lady Shiva later on comes into the picture, and then they they drag Cable kicking and screaming into it. It was it wasn't horrible, but it was nowhere near as good as that first. Maybe I, I'll be generous. I'll say first five six years of the the the, the run is really really good. Yeah, I think I co-sign on that. I mean. As you know, I've read it all, but I, I yeah, I agree. I, I think I think there was a time when there was exceptional Wolverine comics being made all the time. I, I have from, to agree. Yeah. From like and, and you have to include uh, maybe you don't because of what you just said, but but I obviously you'd have to for me that would that would start with his initial appearances in in Burn Claremont, but then the Miller miniseries yep. Marvel Comics presents the Wolverine ongoing, like there were a lot of different takes on him throughout those, those years. And they were mostly very good. Even stuff like, like Wolverine and Kitty pride miniseries, part of those eighties miniseries. Oh yeah. I can't front on that. Yeah. I mean, all of that, like there, there was a good, 
eight to ten years when they were putting a lot of Wolverine comics out, but they were all well, not all, but the majority of them were very good. And then, like like with most characters, if you stay around long enough and put out enough comics, there's going to be bad stretches. But but <laughs> really when you but to your point, it's amazing that there were that many good Wolverine comics because oversaturation. I mean, Wolverine oh, yeah. was everywhere. When you look at the the hit to miss ratio, it, it's actually impressive because of all the books that were coming out. How about all those those prestige books like the 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 um, Simonson uh, one? You know what was the name of it in the jungle with Apocalypse? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, like there was there was a bunch of Wolverine uh, prestige books that were really good. Mm-hmm. Mignola, like yeah, there's a, a there's a great one with drawn by Eduardo Risso. Where it's actually taking place in Japan during nuclear nuclear bomb dropping. Yeah, meltdown, uh, Wolverine and Havoc. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, it's yeah, just... no, no. I mean, the, that's you know, I got mad love for the character. I'm, I'm, yeah. You knock me over with a feather that you're rereading. That's that's. I wouldn't have ever guessed that. That's good to hear. Well, I do that's like great. I like great comics, right? And and it, the fact that I was on the fence ordering it. I was like, yeah, I, I used to have them. I had almost the entire run, and I either mm-hmm. sold them or oh, i think i still have a copy of wolverine number one because when the series started i bought five of them right uh as did everybody back then um so i have maybe one or two of issue number one you know in mylar so whatever but uh i had sold them over time so i'm like i remember really enjoying that that series should i buy this and and you said it has it also has the uh marvel comics presents one to ten Wolverine mm-hmm. chapters, yeah. right? But for so for twenty bucks, it's it's over four hundred and so you know pages. How could you go wrong? It, yeah, it's, for sure. It's it's but it's Big John and his element, right? Yeah, I I refrained from. I did not order it. I I it was it was in my cart as I was going through the final tally. Um, only because knowing how long the Wolverine series went on for, I don't know how many books are going to be in this series. Like, at least with the Power Man and Iron Fist, when you know that it's it's going to end after, like, three or four volumes. Um, even if you include the Iron Fist and the Hero for Hire series. But um, this, I figured, I'll find at a con. And it'll be, it, it, it'll be something that, when I find it, it'll be a nice... Be a nice surprise. I'll, I'll I'll be happy to have it, but it wasn't something that I wanted. I, I didn't, I hadn't planned on getting this collection and then getting it whenever they decide to release the next volume because God knows what else might be coming out that month. So I didn't want to put myself in that hole. The um, FYI, probably... FYI, they don't release them in order. Marvel never releases the epic collections in order. It's weird. Two has been published already. And it's. I think it too is out of print. But does that well, make they, any yeah, sense? So they're, That's, well, they're, it's crazy. I mean, they've, they, they, they've done it with the. Um, they already did a, a, an epic collection of Power Man and Iron Fist, of of the issues uh, of like the seventies, uh, number seventies around there. But in the collection that was, I think, in last month's previews, it was. Um, it kicked off with, um, I believe it kicked off Power Man Iron Fist uh, 51, uh, or Heroes for Hire, but whatever it was, 
they had already done the Luke Cage collection, but now they're, they're, they're marketing this as the first of the Power Man Iron Fist collections. And um, I know I've already seen a volume collecting the later issues. So I'm guessing they're just going ahead and, and, and they're going to repackage or put out a new edition of of these versions. But um, I, I probably should have ordered the Wolverine collection because I was never... It's not something I've I've had the opportunity to go back and, and rectify, but I I'm very limited in my patch knowledge. I've heard virtually no stories with Wolverine's patch. I, I've I, you know oh, wow. patch report, wow. but yeah, patch patch is kind of a. I mean, I I understand, but I just it was never so. I never read much of the Claremont Machine Wolverine. I really wasn't getting Wolverine regularly. Until like Vince just said, when Larry Hama and Mark Silvestri worked on the book, and oh, yeah, and that's... I was I was on that for a good. I mean, from the '30s past '50 and um, up until yeah, probably right around like, like you said, Vince, like right when the Cubits came on, right, right when uh, after Claremont left Marvel, like right around there, it was just that's when um, I was scaling back. But but that, I mean, I I know you know Vander will die on that hill that Silvestri's never looked better than when he did it, you know, out back X-Men. And, and for me, I think of Silvestri at Marvel and I think of that Wolverine run. Yeah. It, I, I remember it's not often when I would read an X-Men book and go, what the fuck? But that one scene where Wolverine and LCD and they're in the sewer and she picks, she pulls her head off and throws her head. And I'm like, what the hell am I reading? This is the weirdest shit I, I've, and but you know you love it, right? And um, yeah, they don't do them in chronological order, which is really strange because I don't understand. It, it's like when I used to go to Borders, and Borders would, uh, they had a huge manga section, right? Remember when the the Borders manga section was like three or four rows of books, like giant yeah. row, and you'd go to a certain series. And I don't know, um, you know, make something up. Vampire Hunter D, right? And you'd, you'd look and they wouldn't have volume one. But they would have two, three, four, five, seven, and 11. Like, I don't understand that logic. How could anyone come off the street and start reading this long-running series if you don't have multiple copies of the first volume? It just, it, I don't know. I, I'm not a friend of, of common sense, but that seems like the way to go to me, right? If you want to get return customers. And I think the Marvel Epic Collection is like the same, partly the same problems because if you're doing a Wolverine volume and, and you're, you're publishing, start with number three, I don't know, just make something up again. How do you get somebody invested in that? That, that first issue in that book has to be talking about something that they haven't read. It's Right. It just if it's the third one in the series, they're, they're, that story is probably referring to some events that the reader has no idea about because they, they it's in the previous volume that has yet to be published. It just doesn't make sense to me why they wouldn't just start at the beginning and go right to the end. I don't know. I'm not in charge of Marvel publishing, so maybe there's some yeah. arcane reason why. Maybe the you know who knows? Maybe these things have been reworked. And they had really good source material for the stuff in Volume 2. And they didn't have really good source material for the stuff in Volume 1. So they went ahead and they started with 2. That could be it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Huh. Unless 
Well, unless unless the events happen, uh, unless there's a reason they're going to include those issues in a later collection, so that the story may make sense. Like you could read it as the issues were coming out, but if um, like when I know um, pirates used to do this, where they would take a um, a series or an event, and they would kind of just take the pages and put them in the order that you know the story should yeah. be told in or make sense in so maybe maybe that's what they're maybe that's their approach i don't know well no, it's, it's just weird yeah yeah but it is i mean it's it's definitely i i having you know i, I say this not being familiar with everything in the volume if you're going to bother getting a, a, an epic collection if you're going to collect an epic collection a series I, I think uh, the Wolverine epic collection is not uh, is is one you should consider. I think that that would be because I mean when you think about because 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 this one's a weird one because it's it's not like you're collect you're reprinting it's not like an old Iron Man epic collection or an old Amazing Spider Man epic collection where you know you've seen these artists you've seen these stories before the early Wolverine stuff that were ongoing. Even the Marvel Comics presents serials, but the ongoing stuff. I mean, yeah, you've you've got you've got Bushima drawing Wolverine of all the characters in the Marvel universe. He's going to draw and 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 inked by Williamson, and you you see Claremont working on yes, a character from the X Men, but you know, not necessarily bogged down with the entire. T- I just think it's a unique, um, a unique experience, a unique series because it was. It, it it could have been you know Wolverine team up and then every month you know someone from the X Men shows up so it, but but it was just it was a Wolverine ongoing and it was just it, it was its own thing and and uh, I I think you know of all the characters there's the whole anti hero kick and and you know Punisher of course had three books and and showing up everywhere and um, I think of all of all the team characters that Marvel had I probably at the time may have been like I, I i think you might i mean he's already in every issue of marvel comics presents he's in the x-men and and now you want to give him uh and i you know he's in bloodlust he's in all these you know graphic novels but now you want to you know give him not that i would have thought might have been overkill and too much of a good thing but obviously you know that would have been foolish of me to say it's it's uh it's i think it's neat that Wolverine got an ongoing and it kept going for as long as it did. And it, it really, it, it's not like it was ever really a super poor seller. So, I mean, I understand that, you know, why it would, why it would keep going. I, it's, it's one of those things where at the time I probably would have scoffed and said, this is silly, but looking back on it now, decades later, it was, um, is neat to see. And, and, something that I consider not an anomaly, but just one of those things where I'm, I'm, I'm glad it exists and I'm glad they, they, they took the chance on, took the chance on it, but I'm glad, you know, they had these creators working on it where you probably wouldn't have normally seen them work on a character on his own thing in, in long stories. It's, it's pretty cool. And, and when I see, and then I turn the page and I see like, you know, the Morbius epic collection, I'm like, well, that's, that's a book and a half. Like how many, how many Morbius stories are you going to be able to fill epic collections with 
even when you go with with his guest appearances or his you know mini series that he appears in other things it's like that's there's 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 not a ton i understand it's you know it's being produced because there's a movie coming out but of all the morbius stories i it, it's weird that you would do you could do a regular trade i would think of morbius appearances i don't think you need a whole epic collection but i guess you do yeah, I get the the cold shakes when I look at a, a Morbius collection and it reproduces uh, four color comics as well as the Marvel black and white magazines, because that's a that's a proportion change. Yes, and yeah. if you're gonna have white space <laughs> on the top and the bottom, you're just getting me all verklempt, and I don't want to do yeah. it. <laughs> Separate them, but don't pub, you know uh, reprint to your heart's content. But if you're gonna print magazine stuff and, and, uh, alongside you know, standard size comic books that just, it's just not a good look. Stop it. Right. Don't do it. I got you. Jason. Well, I mean, we were talking about it being a big week and I, I said, was it a great week? I don't know. And, and I think that part of that is because, uh, the biggest book of the year, at least in terms of hype and sales came out this week. And that is berserker. Number one, Berserker, B R Z R K R. No vowels allowed. No vowels allowed. Um, I mean, the book is. There hasn't been hype around a book like this in a minute. Um, I'm, where have I been? Ahead. What is it? Oh my oh, god! Wow. Yeah. I, um, okay. <laughs> okay. Wait, yeah. wait. 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 I mean, I. I just. I. I'm going to say. I would. I. I. I meant to mention this before, but when Jason said, you know, but was it a great week? I will say. Not everything I read came out necessarily this week, but the things I did read, I really enjoyed. So I had fun with the majority of everything I read, even if it didn't come out over the past two days. But um, I, 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 I bought, wasn't planning on it, but I, when I went to the shop yesterday, the only thing on my pull list was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I didn't want to just leave with one book, so I actually did pick up Berserker number one. Figuring that, you know, we probably, because Jason was going to read it, and I figured we'd be able to talk about it. But um, I have questions. So after you school Vince on what it is and where it's been. Where yeah. It been. Well, so so th- at its core, it's it's uh, it's, hypo- it's a hype book because it's co-written by Keanu Reeves, and it's it was created by Keanu Reeves. Um, but it's co-written by Reeves and Matt Kent, with, uh, and Ron Garney drew it with Bill Crabtree on colors. Um this number one was published by Boom, but the book, the character, and the story was solicited via a massive Kickstarter, like seven-figure Kickstarter, um, where you were going to get exclusive hardcovers, like deluxe hardcovers of the stuff, um, and uh, every which way they packaged it every which way possible. I didn't participate in the Kickstarter, uh, but it was a, as I said, a massive success. And that all led to this um, to, to this release, and this is one of those books that's got like a trillion variants. Um, like some are going for thousands of dollars, that type of thing. But um, it's exactly what you would think it is. And, and by the way, if you saw any of the solicits, you'd see that the character of Berserker is Keanu Reeves. It's, it's you know, it's Keanu Reeves with a beard. It's like John Wick with a beard. Um, yeah. A bulkier John Wick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, a more a, a comic-y, superhero-y, like, muscular version of the same guy he plays in his films. Um, so I could not not pick this up. I mean, just on the hype and, and the fact that 
Kent co-wrote it and stuff. And I'm I'm a, I'm a Carney fan, generally speaking. Um, although I wish God, it just kills me that they just they just publish off of his pencils these days. I've been doing it for a while, and it's just I think it can look muddy at times. But um, there you go, Dapsy. Give us some love to the anchors out there. Appreciate you. Um, my 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 problem with this is I I, I it was. I know it says it's co-written by Matt Kim, but this feels a lot more like if you ask me what a Keanu Reeves created comic would read like, and that like Matt Kim, I don't know, maybe helped with the dialogue or the structure or the, because this is a single issue action sequence, which by itself could be cool. I mean, I mean, there are plenty of comics that are, just a nonstop action books and they're awesome. So like, that's not a problem. Like, I mean, like in and of itself, but maybe I'm jaded. It read to me like a treatment for a movie, a movie series or a TV series that, 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 that Keanu wants to do. Um, I couldn't help not compare it to, to the John Wick stuff, which is amazing. And I love it. And I've watched it a trillion times. And like, I think in this case, believe it or not, like that kind of thing doesn't work as well on the page of a comic as it does in a film where you can do really amazing choreography that has you draw on the floor. Um, and to me, this first issue, if it wasn't such a hype book and it wasn't going to start being flippable for hundreds of dollars, I would think it would be a big drop off to number two because this was a zero issue disguised as a first issue to me. It, it was a big action sequence. You learn almost nothing about the character or any of his background characters, if even if, if any of them matter. And then at the end, you get what I think is supposed to be a jaw-dropping reveal. And I was just like, oh, okay. Because I've read a lot of comics, and so like that premise wasn't anything that, that surprising to me. And um, <laughs> Tap, you know, reading this, I thought, oh, this is their indie version of, of one of Vince's Favorite characters uh, ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> who's one of your least favorite DC villains, Vince? Oh boy, the the caveman that would be yeah. king. Yes, Vandal Savage. Yeah, <laughs> this to me is them doing their own take on Vandal Savage. Like Lemire has done his own take in Black Hammer of all these tropes of of superhero comics. This was was Keanu saying. To Matt Kent, uh, I got a, I got a cool story about Vandal Savage. How can we do it? <laughs> and he's like, "All right, well, we'll call him something different." And and like the that it, it the premise is that the dude is just basically like an ageless warrior, and he's now in the modern times as a mercenary. And I just, I don't know, like nothing about it felt interesting or unique or. I just I was looking for even the slightest kernel of a spin that was going to make me say like oh okay like because listen lots and lots of stories are are familiar there's only so many stories to be told in the world but you're looking for something that makes it distinctive whether it be the art or the setting or the twist or I don't know the the, the or some kind of moral ambiguity or some kind of you know, shift in expectations for the character's actions. Something that at least makes you think, oh, yeah, it's it's another one of those stories, but I it's really well executed. I, I, I didn't understand. There was nothing about this book that seemed special to me. I, I, I thought the dialogue was flat. I thought it was predictable. I thought Garney's 
were art while good was not great. I think in part because it shot over his pencils, it looked muddy. The action sequences I thought were they weren't impressive to me. They were more they were bloody, they were gory. But like if I compare this to like Mesmo Delivery Service by Rafael Grampa, I'm taking Grampa a thousand times out of a thousand. You know? It's just I, I feel like I'm only gonna remember that I read this book because it's gonna be the oh, that book that Keanu Reeves wrote. Not because it was good. I and, and I'm honestly not sure. I have any interest in continuing it. I, I just, it, it felt totally flatter than like, like Vince's Dengus when he's out of Viagra. Like that's, wow. I just, that's, that is just nasty. <laughs> Balls nasty. That is bad. But maybe that thought more of it. <laughs> um, I, you say you get to the end and you're like, listen, I've read a bunch of comic books and this, the ending might not have fallen flat, but it didn't knock you on your ass. And all I'm thinking about is if Keanu Reeves' name, if 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 his fans know that they can go to a comic shop and get a comic book he wrote and they're not familiar with Vandal Savage or immortal-like characters, something like that reveal might be enough for them to go, whoa, but I don't... But, but yeah, for you and I, it's like, okay, that's... I kind of I saw what was coming. Never mind the fact that that I think all the solicits and the Kickstarter campaign, everything was basically like he's 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 a warrior who's been around forever. So it's not yeah. like that should really be all that surprising yeah. to anybody. And like I, I like I I couldn't help but compare it to the old guard, which I think was better on every level. Sure. More interesting characters, same premise, better action sequencing, better choreography. And by the way, I thought the Netflix uh, movie was dope as fuck. I thought they did a great job adapting it. Uh, I still have to watch that. Yeah, super yeah. entertaining. Charlize Theron is perfect in the lead role. So um, I don't know. Like I'm just, I can just already see the side eye for me when, like, in two years, I see on Netflix the Berserker is coming out and it's kind of starring Keanu Reeves. And I'm just going to side eye. You know the. Um, I mean, the, the first page made me chuckle because it's basically the the sad Keanu meme where he's on the park bench eating the sandwich. Uh, what, what, what irks, it, it's, it's basically, it's, it's an exercised first issue. Um, the cons for me is that there's no, and I'm sure it's a pro for Jason. There's no back matter. There's nothing here that, you know, <laughs> by, by Keanu or by Kin that says, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is what the book's about. This you know, Keanu called me up and said, Hey, you know, nothing, nothing that was like, okay, you know, why, why, why does this exist? You're just like, here it is. It, it basically is like, it's, it's a zero issue. It's a free comic book day. One shot that, you know, we'll, we'll, we're supposed to tease you for what's to come. Garney love his art. I mentioned it the last time on, uh, you know, with Reinhold on amazing Spider-Man, he's done some fun stuff with weapon X and, and we know my man's got the chops. He's done Conan, but Garney, at least the way he draws today, his style today, he's not going to bust out the nine panel grid. He's not going to do a Gary Frank and, and try to cram as much as he can on a page per panel. Most of the pages in this issue are three, four, five page panels, five panel pages. So it's not, you know, there's, because it does move quickly. It's a lot of action it's it's and it's not even like it's widescreen panels for the most part some of it is just it's 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 angled and it's you know just just for the movement and it's fine it moves the story along but as jason said with 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 the muddied look and and because it's not so tight um 
there's just it feels like there's some things that are just a lot of filler in the issue. I think you know the it's not. I, it, it's obviously it's not Kent's best written book, regardless of how much he may have been involved in writing it. Um, but it, it's you know you get to the end of it and and you know spoilers, but it's you know he's he's basically his, his body. He may be a clone. He may have been may have seen some damage over the years, and it may not be the consciousness has been around for basically eighty thousand years. He's still, yeah. um, you know, so so he's. He's remembering things for the first time in a long time of his earliest days, and and that's um, and that's that's supposed to be shocking because I guess that's either been suppressed or with drugs or treatments. It's just never anything that ever has um, surfaced before. Um, but the uh, and it's weird that here's somebody who is supposed to be as old as he is, and his his CEO is, is keeps calling him son or kid, and it's like, well, how old how old are you then? I'm I that 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 felt weird knowing you know in hindsight going back and and seeing what's what like I don't so you know we just you don't know what this organization is you really don't know necessarily I'm guessing they're on the side of the good guys and. Um, but you know he gives zero fucks in getting the job done, and you know he'll he'll jump out of an airplane without a parachute because you know it's just so he's he's not. But but you know he'll dodge a bullet, so I'm not sure he can be hurt. He can't. I mean he loses he loses a nose. He he uh, gets his nose shot off. He 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 burns his hand, burns his head. Um, so he can be hurt. Um, I don't know. I mean if he can jump out of an airplane and land on a bunch of dudes going for his target I'm not really sure I mean maybe because it's a point blank bullet I don't, I don't know there are just some things which are just like well that's why would you dodge that but you're so um, it's it, 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 something like that might look cool if it was shot in a movie but 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 seeing it play out over a couple of panels it, it's it, it just made me pause and, and kind of scratch my head but um yeah, I I think I, if it's tightened up, not necessarily visually, but I mean story wise, I I think they probably could have some fun with this. But I don't. Um, I would have loved to have said, you know, hey, this came in under this was like super secret. It was it was a sleeper. No, nobody knew this was coming. And you know, hey, not bad because it was you know Keanu's first time at bad, and and you know it was a fun ride. And but because yeah, it kind of was hyped. And it was a Kickstarter, and I mean, you, you the, the inside cover. There's there's the Grampa cover. You have variants by Grampa, Mark Brooks, Lieber Mayo, Dan Mora, John Boy Myers. There's a foil variant cover, and there's a one per store variant by Brooks. And it's I mean, there's there's just they they really were, and and my shop ordered a lot of this first issue more than they do for most books. And by the time I got there, there were two, two of the standard covers and the one blank cover, which is red and not white. Uh, and that's all they had left. So it, it sold. They had people calling for it. Um, you know, and I'm happy for them. You know, hopefully it means that either people will come back or they've picked up other things and they'll keep coming back. But, um, it's, it's just it's it's weird. Yeah, you, you see Keanu on every page. It's obviously him. Um, 
I just think based on the track record of the creators involved, everybody who worked on this, aside from Keanu, knows what they're doing. And this just felt like I... It could have been tighter. It could have been... Yeah. More to the I, point. To me, this is endemic of... Um, like... We don't talk about the business of comics very often anymore because none of us really pay that much attention to it, I think, for the better. But I do listen to other podcasts about comics, and uh, in particular, the Challengers guys do a podcast about their business. And, uh, you know, they they are, like, strictly a no-variant shop. They they don't order variants. Now, if if someone, like, if a a customer specifically requests a specific variant for pre-order, they'll, you know, they'll order for them. But they don't speculating by variants to put on the shelves. Um, and yet for this book, they, they ordered variants like at the wazoo, like including one that they were charging $3,000 for. And I thought, really? Like, this is the book that you break your, like that you break your policy on. And then, and then, you know, I look, there's 30 covers for this issue. And what's crazy is like, that's not that unusual anymore. Like, 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 I mean, I feel like Dynamite has what 10, 15 covers for every book they do. Uh, you know, uh, Marvel and DC do it too. It, not thirty, but but a lot. Um, Dynamite goes just, from from like anywhere from five to ten. Yeah, right. it's a lot, right? I mean, yeah, it's a lot. Books, yeah, and, and I, I'm not saying this to insult. I'm saying, but for books that don't generally like sell that well, right? Like it's one thing if a comic is selling five hundred thousand copies, you can throw some variants. But if you're selling 20,000 copies of the book, you need ten variants, but. Um, it makes you wonder if the variants aren't driving the sales. No, that is what it is. Yeah, yeah. that's the thing. And so, so, and, and I just feel like, and and this could be me. You know, part of this is where I'm at right now with Big Two Comics and stuff. And this isn't a Big Two Comic, but but you'll you'll get my point in a second. Uh, I just feel like we're back in this speculator boom, and we certainly are. I mean, it's it, COVID created a speculator bubble again for all kinds of collectibles from trading. I mean, trading cards are as hot as magma again, going for thousands of dollars. Um, you know, you've got all this digital stuff that we've been talking about, like, like collectibles art. you know, fine art is through the roof. Comic art auctions are through the roof. It's just collectibles are on fire because people are at home and, 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 and there's lots of reasons for it. But, but, but comics are in this speculative mode right now where a lot of the sales are being driven by people who aren't into the comics. Like and that's just a fact. To ask any retailer, they'll tell you that. And and that is that I should. I guess I shouldn't care as long as I'm getting good comics that I want to read when I want to read them. But it just bums me out because I just remember what happened the last time that it was like this. And uh, you know, hopefully the stores are being smarter about it this time and not getting caught up in it. But I just it just bums me out that like stores get a hundred people calling in because they hear about the first appearance of a character like Punchline who's not going to give a matter in two flying fucks in five years probably or that because Keanu Reeves did a comic and they're like dying to get the the, the the chase variant of it like I just I don't know man like I just I want comics to be about the stories and the art and I want them to be awesome and I want people to celebrate that like I want people to say like did you read that book it was the greatest thing I've ever read and not like did you get the awesome cover by that exclusive artist like I like I don't know the whole the whole speculator stuff just is absolute saltpeter to me, and I'm just seeing it everywhere. I'm seeing it with DC just rushing to put out new characters every month and 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 getting rewarded for it. And 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 like 
the Todd father, you know, it's deluding himself into thinking that Spawn is suddenly a, a really popular book again uh, for any other reason other than he's been doing the covers, right? And now putting out five other Spawn books. Like, it's just, I just see all these people that should know better and they're falling into the trap again because why not? They're going to get paid off of it. And it's like, yeah, you're going to get paid off of it now, but it's not going to last, dude. And then we're going to all feel pretty stupid about it and I hope it doesn't affect the overall quality. And I think for me, in a lot of these publishers' cases, it has affected the quality. Now, I can't speak to Boom's overall catalog because I admittedly don't read a lot of it. But, but uh, yeah, man, it's just this, this whole thing just rubbed me the wrong way. It just felt like a giant money grab. And the whole Kickstarter thing where they did the, like pre-solicited five hardcovers, which probably won't be out for five years. Like The whole thing just feels like a gigantic snake eating its tail for the sake of speculation and not for the sake of the art form to me. Well, I got to agree with you. I have zero interest in this book. But, um, it, I mean, if, if our buddies are, are eating well because of it, um, yeah. Mr. Kent and, and Garney, you know, if, if, if the, the guys that have been making comics for a, a long time pull a couple of dollars out of this book, then more power to them. But the speculator part of it really scares me because we've seen it. We've seen what happens. Good people, um, good shop owners go down because of this kind of garbage. Uh, they can't keep up. The, the small shops can order hundreds and hundreds of copies to get those super elusive variants. It's just w- outside of their means. And then it, it just creates uh, you know unpleasantness for, for a lot of people. I would legit love to hear from people that buy these variants. You know, like... I, and I don't mean because I've I, I've mentioned that before in the show when we've had listeners chime in and say, "Oh, I, I bought this variant." Of that. I'm not, I don't mean if listen if there's a variant that's five bucks or ten bucks by one of your favorite artists instead of the cover price, and you want to buy it. Like that's not really what I'm talking about. Right. I'm talking about the people that seek out the one in five thousand Mark Brooks variant and are willing to spend seven hundred dollars on it. Like, why are you doing that? Like, are you that much of a Mark Brooks fan that you just want to possess everything he's ever done? I'm guessing it's more you think it's an investment. You think you're going to be able to flip it or hold it and sell it for a profit, right? Like, that's more logical. And the variant game has been going going on long enough now that we should have some evidence. And I'm guessing since it's only getting more popular, then they seemingly probably are making money off of it. So, again, I ask, like, okay, if you're buying the Mark Brooks variant from a store for 700 bucks. Who are you flipping it to? Who? Why are they buying it from you for fifteen hundred? Like, why is this happening? Like, what do you all think is like? What do? You, what is the premise of this? And I can never find. I, I've I've searched the interwebs. I cannot find like anyone that acknowledges that they buy these variants with a plum and with vigor. But yet we know that they are. I just want to hear from them. Like, what do? And hey, listen, I buy lots of shit that's expensive and people think is stupid, so I'm not even chastising you for your decision. I just want to know like what you think you're getting out of it. Yeah. Well, you know, that's all. We know for a fact that the uh Valiant uh version, I guess you could say version 3 that uh we all enjoyed, that was pretty much founded on variant covers. Uh there were forums of of guys online mm-hmm. that would you know post pictures of their their collections and they had every cover of every issue 
which was insane, right? Because again, some of them were like one in whatever, 200 or one in 500. And uh, we, you know, for a fact that the Valiant books were nowhere near the top of the sales charts, right? And, and, and we also know for a fact that there wasn't a whole lot of people talking about them. I mean, we were, and our, our circle was, but online, you didn't see like massive waves of people buying into the Valiant phenomenon, like like the original Valiant. So it stands to reason that the sales of these, these uh, the extra copies sold because of these variants was what was actually funding the publisher. That's crazy to me. It's just because then what if those guys go away? Right? What if the guys that buy those super limited variants decide like this is this is a joke? I don't want to do this anymore. The bottom falls out of your whole publishing house. It's mm-hmm. yeah, nothing pleases me more than than overhearing someone say, "I don't give a shit what's on the cover. I just I just want to read my favorite book." Right? Yeah, and I guess that's that's why I say like I realize I, I can only speak for me on this, and I, I'm sure plenty of our of our listeners just disagree with my take because, but you know how it, I, I I don't like it is a rare thing for me to even notice a cover anymore because they don't tell stories anymore, they're done almost independent of what's inside the book like by design they're yeah they're, usually yeah they're yeah. shopped out to to cover artists generally and. They say, "Oh, you got to do a cover for Wolverine, and he's fighting Omega Red." Okay, cool. Um, they're, they're, the covers these days are the um, throwback to the inventory story. I'm sure Dynamite has a stack of covers, uh, multiple, right, like multiple Jay, like var- Lee, They just yeah. say, "All right, Jay, do a bunch of Red Sonya yep. drawings," yep. and he just he sends them a batch of thirty Red Sonya drawings, and they say, "Cool, all right, yeah. we're good." Yeah, Thanks. I'm pretty sure that's that, that's the case. Mm-hmm. They just reach into a drawer, pull it out, you know. Yeah. And another weird thing I'd love to know, I'm a fan of Alessandro Vitti, and he was announced as the artist on this book. And then it was switched for Garni. Mm, interesting. So I, I wonder what happened there, too. But Yeah. I'm cool with multiple covers if it's like, yeah, which one of these you want? You know, like for Savage Dragon. Exactly. If it, it's if it's an AB. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, of course, ah, that's, that's fine. That's, that's, that's great, because then it's not about the sh- then then the publishers aren't trying to 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 feed speculation and, and fake sales they're just they're just giving you choices that's cool yeah but it does lead to it, it, it the possibility of someone saying yeah, i'll get both of them that that's it's not outside of the realm of possibility right when you're when you're doing two covers maybe three like diehard collectors they may buy all three so it, it it's still it's it's inflated numbers but what eric larson's been doing with savage dragon is he'll do two covers and he uses the same art for both covers Mm-hmm. But cover A will be the traditional Savage Dragon uh, masthead, like the logo, real big. And then cover B, he'll do a faux uh, Marvel bronze cover with the strip across that used to mm-hmm. say, you know, Marvel Comics Group. And he'll do the corner box, but and he'll shrink down the Savage Dragon, you know, logo to fit the the, the extra elements added to the cover. But they're essentially the same cover. One is just a faux Marvel. You know, homage cover. That's awesome. Like, if you want to get, um, and I always go with the faux Marvel homage cover. Like, why yeah, not? That's right. Right? Yeah. Why not? You know. But um, like, and when with with Dynamite, what I'll do is more often than not, I get the main cover because it's usually Jay Lee on a lot right, of the books, right? right? And, mm-hmm. But um, what DCBS does, if it's a first issue or a first issue of a, a miniseries, it's extra discounted. 
but you don't get the extra discount if you get a variant. So I just go with the standard cover. Like I, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't need a different cover uh, badly enough to warrant paying a couple, right, extra quarters for it. You know, so yeah. whatever. I mean, they they do that like yeah, because the first issue of something will usually be half off, but if it's got a variant, instead of being one ninety nine is two thirty nine. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do my, my rule with variants is if um, variant or standard. If I can get the if it's if there's a cover by the interior artist, I'm going to go for that one. I don't necessarily need a poster or a pinup of something that has nothing to do with the interior, just because it's a cover. I don't. It's it's the story. What's inside is is what matters to me. Covers are cool, but that's not why I buy books. Mm-hmm. I do like the. Um, I know Marvel will do this from time to time, but I do like the way DC does variants where the standard cover has has the logo and all the cover treatment for the Superman universe or Batman, whatever they, they do for whatever universe just the book takes place in. And it's got the standard logo and barcode and whatnot. But DC's variants are, I mean, they, they right over the barcode, it'll tell you it's a variant cover, but the, um, the logo isn't the typical Todd Klein produced logo. It's just, it's, it's a standard, standard font, uniform font across all the variants where it just, it'll tell you the title of the book and the number usually down on the bottom of the cover. So it's almost, it's not a virgin cover, but it's almost like the, the, the variant cover art is, is unsullied by all the extra stuff that makes a standard cover, a standard cover. And that's, that's neat. If you just want to like, if you just enjoy looking at cover art, unblemished with all the extras dc i appreciate dc's approach to that i don't necessarily care that they're card stock and they're four dollar more but at least um they're making them look different instead of you thinking okay well if i don't if i didn't recognize if the issue number doesn't if i don't think i already have that issue and and the variant looks exactly the same cover treatment wise with different art I may not know if I already bought that issue or if it's the next issue in the series, if I'm not paying attention to the issue number on the cover. But um, yeah, variants are just, it's, I mean, it's cool. I'm glad they give people options, but I've, I've never, I've never been a cover dude. Well, it's, it's insane to me to obsess over something that's going to go in a box and more often than not, never be seen again. Right. We, we, we read them, we bag them, we put them in a box. Okay, on the really good series, the stuff that have, have made marks on us to the point where we want to read it again, maybe we'll pull them out. But in most instances, they go in boxes and it's like, pew, they disappear. When I see me pull a rabbit out of my hat, mm, that's, that's the equivalent. It's like a magic trick. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't get it. But if you have the money to buy these variant covers and they make you happy, right? Have at it. Yeah. Have at it. And then the other big book of the week, which is also on Dap's list, is completely different. I mean, this was a... If it wasn't clear, the Berserker is a adults-only, <laughs> very violent, not all-ages book. But the other book that got a lot of excitement uh, this week was... Uh, Jonna and the Unpos- Unpossible Monsters, number one, written by Chris and his wife, Laura Somney, drawn by Chris. And it's their uh, their foray into all-ages comics. 
this book was announced over a year ago, but was coveted, so they waited to put it out until this year. But uh, you know, I haven't talked to Dap about this. He's obviously a huge Chris Somney mark. Um, I generally am a fan of all ages books, and maybe it's just the mood I'm in. But I also felt like while this looked great, and I'm going to stick with this one because I have faith in Chris. I thought this was a zero issue. This read like a free comic book day issue to me. And I, I just, man, I feel like these people should know better. Like you're, it's a tough market out there, man. You want to rope people in, dude, that first issue has got to make your toes curl. You got to pull, you got to give, you got to give us a lot in that first issue to make people fired up to come back. And I feel like a bunch of things, including these two things I read this week. I thought, wow, you really are relying on your name. Because you didn't give me much here. <laughs> you didn't give me much. And, and that's, again, I haven't talked to that. Maybe he thought completely differently. It's well-reviewed. I checked. It seems like the reviews for the book are very high. So maybe it's just me. Maybe it's a me thing. I don't know. But I, I thought the book looked great. No surprise. I'm down for the premise. Like I said, I will come back to this one for issue two. But, but I'm only coming back because, A... I buy lots of comics. B, I have faith in Chris Somney. Uh, I, if this were just two creators who I was intrigued by the solicit and ordered the first issue, I'd probably be out. Dap, thoughts? Um, I've been waiting for this. Uh, when it was... Um, uh, in last year's previews about a year ago i think it would yeah. maybe have been in april 20 but um but yeah i was i was stoked for it um got the uh i i pulled up it's coming in my dcbs box but um i didn't want to wait so i i read the oni uh review pdf and it's i um i'm really happy that Chris and Laura are going to be able to work on a book, do a book that they can do for their daughters. And this is, um, this is, you know, we hear that a lot, whether, you know, like, like, like uh, Elf was created because, you know, the guy wanted to make sure that, you know, his, his John Favreau want, directed the movie because he wanted to be able to watch Chris's movie with his daughter. And I, I respect the hell out of that. Do, do I feel like yes, this this was a free comic book day issue? Yeah, because for the title character to be in the first few pages, and then her sister is looking for her for the rest of the book. That's, I, I mean, I'm I'm in I'm in because I'm I'm looking forward to see where the story goes, but I was a little. Taken aback that uh, that that's kind of because even I mean and also monsters are in the title and yeah and there's some gorgeous looking monsters Chris goes buck wild with 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 the monsters he draws they're crazy there aren't a ton of them but they look great and even that again after the first few pages we're just kind of we're caught up because it's one year later and we're going to we're we're, we're based on conversations that people are having, we're kind of getting caught up on what happened since we last saw Jonah and, and uh, Jonah and whatever monsters were around. And, and um, so I feel like this could have benefited from extra pages. I, I would have liked to have had this one be double sized. We could have seen 
where where things are going but um i think it's it's going to be a um I, i'm i'm it's going to be fun i i'm i'm totally uh happy for it i'm 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 really looking forward to see what chris and lord do because it is i don't know um I, I I'd love to talk to Chris and Laura and, and find out you know what the working relationship is like because this is this is Laura's first book and, and her, her first writing gig. Um, you now Chris, of course, has been in comics for a bunch of years, so um, I'm sure they do work well together. I just I I um, and the colors by Matt Wilson look look fantastic, but um, yeah, I just I I kind of. It ended. I, I wanted more when it when which is I guess is a good thing because it it you know you want to come back for it. But um, I would have liked some more meat on these bones. It 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 looks great. I, I Chris is doing a little bit more of a um, airy, cartoony, almost animated style compared to Firepower. Um, visually, they I mean. Firepower also is um, a lot of it takes place at night. It's 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 a very kind of muted color palette. This is a little brighter. Um, there are it's not super bright, uh, but it 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 the tone is different. Um, but no, I I think uh, I I was looking forward to it. I wasn't disappointed. I would have uh, I. I the only downside is I would have liked more, and and um, I think we'll we'll get more as as Laura gets more comfortable writing, um, as uh, as we flesh out as this, as we get, as we explore this world a little bit more, uh, find out more about the characters. Um, but I think we we got just enough that you know who the important players are. I just. Um, I think yeah, my my uh, my only my only real nit is that uh, there just wasn't more of it. Um, and as I was and and it's years ago, um, back back around two thousand. Well, yeah, no, two two thousand six seven. Um, there was um, I won these uh, these little mini comics called lunch notes that um that chris had drawn and and basically they're he they're 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 collections of the notes chris would leave for laura in 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 her lunch bag and and um just to show you that you know they're just two incredibly sweet people that shouldn't uh it, it's sickening sweet but it's in a very good way but i i when I saw that they were going to do a comic together, I immediately thought of, um, of lunch notes. And, um, even back then, even whether they're inside jokes or just little things that, uh, make each other laugh or for whatever reason, how, whatever doodle he decided to draw, um, there was not silly enough to think that there was a hint of things to come, but they, they obviously do make a good team, not just obviously as parents and, and, and as the familiar unit, but um, I think 
being in close contact, knowing how work centric uh, Chris is when he approaches the page and everything like that. I think, you know, she, she doesn't, she doesn't strike me as, as the wife of a comic book artist who just knows her husband draws the, those funny books. And, and I think um, having some inside knowledge of how, how the business works and um, knowing how Chris works, I think, I'd like to think that that's going to um, be beneficial and, and produce a more entertaining experience, if that makes sense. But no, I, I was, I, I, I'm happy it's here. I'm really looking forward to more. Um, it's part of it. A little bit reminds me of, of the Thor, the mighty Avenger book that, that he drew that, that Roger language wrote. Um, but I think, uh, I think there's, I think they teased more than they should have. I would have liked to have seen, I would have liked to have had more show than, uh, than tease there, there. There was, there was a lot of tease here. Um, and that's fine. It's fine for me. Cause I'm cool with it. Regardless. It's, it's a Somni book. So there's, there's no, I'll defend it, but there's no, uh, there isn't anything that I'm going to really complain about here. I just, uh, I would like more now is, is basically what I'm saying. Well, I got a decent segue then. Oh, please. Yeah, because this was the first issue that I highly anticipated and the creators put their money on the table and they, wow. I mean, it, I thought it was incredible. Um, what do I want in a first issue? What do we all want, right? I, I, I want to be drawn into the story to the point where you, the creative p- individuals behind the, the the story that they're telling, they make the world go away. I want you to convince me that I am in your reality. Whatever it is that you're crafting with whatever characters you're doing, I want to be drawn into it to the point where I forget I'm reading a book. Uh, I'm captivated by the story. Um, the visuals are just knocking me on my ass. And uh, this book did all that and more. I was amazingly impressed uh, with what they brought to the table here. Um, it's from Image. And it's written by Scott Snyder. And illustrated by Tony Daniel. With color art by Tumeo More. It's Noctera number one. And you know me, I will gladly um, put my money down for Snyder. I love Tony Daniel, too. I think uh, he's an incredible talent. But um, I pick and choose with Daniel. I didn't follow him on the Bat stuff because I'm not that super invested in the Bat stuff to read. I think he was on Detective, wasn't he, Tony Daniel? He was on Detective for a while. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, he he, he kicked it off. Yeah, he wrote it for a while too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to read strings and strings of, of Batman issues, but uh, uh, hypocrite that I am, I will read Batman when Snyder writes them. So whatever. Uh, but I, I don't remember seeing Daniel look this good as he does on Nocturne Number One. It's, <laughs> it, it's a virtuoso performance. It looks really great. Uh, but what's the deal behind this series? What's it all about? And I'll be uh, honest, a couple pages in, I'm like, oh, God, this is like 
tons of video games that I've that I've played. But then he fleshes something out, and it's like, no, this is not like tons of video games I've ever played. Uh, it's about it, the, the the central character is a young lady. Her name is Val Val Riggs, right? And she's in the fifth grade when uh, the world changed forever. Uh, something called the Big PM hit. Uh, the sun's light just went away, right? The the firmament goes dark. There's no reflection on the surface of the moon. There's no light from faraway stars. Uh, nothing, right? But not only did the darkness blanket the planet, but something's going on within the the pitch black, right? Uh, any organism that is unlit for 10 hours or more undergoes uh, a, a really ghastly transformation. And it, it I'll, I'll say it because I'll flesh that out, it becomes an, uh, like an infernal exaggeration of itself. They call them shades, right, in the vernacular. But it, it affects humans. It affects animals. It affects insects, right? Uh, and and they've they've got the the progression of the infection down, right? If your gums turn black, you're in trouble. You need to get uh, dialysis super quick. Uh, maybe it'll save you, or you need to get uh, a very powerful uh, lamp, like a halide or a or a xenon lamp. To, to purge the infection. But the lamps, those kind of real powerful bulbs, they're rare, right? This is post-apocalyptic. Um, we're not talking eBay rare. This is legit rare. Uh, and But once the infection spreads past your gums, you're done. You're, you're turning. You're going to turn it to something really disgusting. Um, and, and they've tracked the passage of time based on the the big event the, the the pm so now it's not like 2024 years are marked in pms it's 13 pm so for a book about darkness and pseudo nighttime to measure hours in pms i think that's freaking brilliant but your mileage may vary so it's 13 pm which means it's 13 years past the initial pm event right the big PM. But um, so, okay, you have these shades running around, which is really, really bad to begin with. But 13 years after the fact, the shades have begun mating with other shades. So now you have new and terrible organisms out there. Uh, and humanity has splintered into these little scattered sanctuaries. Little groups of humans, right, just literally living to keep the lights on. <laughs> it's extremely important that the lights stay on. Uh, and that's initially going in to the series. I'm like, oh, boy, you can't go into the dark. This is like, you know, video game X. But that's not the specifics. You can go into the dark. It's just that you'll, you know, you'll be changed. And, and it's not it's not a... Uh, case of whether or not something will attack you within the dark and kill you. Like, no, those games where you have to keep to the to the street lamps because if you go like one foot into the darkness, uh oh, it's bad. That this yep. is not, that's what I thought this was. This is not like that. Um, you're going to be transformed if you go 
into the darkness for a long period of times and you you know probably get become something and and mate with something very disgusting uh but um so humanity splintered and uh there's a new kind of rugged breed of individual that has risen to the new challenges of what's going on in, in this post PM life. They call them ferrymen. And they're what you would expect, right? Drivers paid to take cargo, human or otherwise, from outpost to outpost. They just drive shit around. They're, they're ferrymen, right? Uh, and that's what Val is. Val has become a ferryman. And um, her call sign, Sundog, which is cool. Uh, but Val ha- has, is adopted. They, Snyder tells you a little bit of the story uh, going in. She was adoptive, adopted. The, I guess the parents came to an untimely end. We didn't really see that. But she has a, 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 a brother, and he's black, and his name's Emery. So Val is, is white. Um, she's the f- a ferryman, and Emery's this, he's, he's very smart, uh, and he likes to tinker with shit. You know, he's a man of science and he's, he's trying to make uh, a better flashbang or a, a bigger solar cell, you know what I mean? Or, which is redundant. I should have said solar cell because it would be useless in this situation. Um, but the wrinkle here, and there's always a wrinkle, right? Emery is infected. He's got the black gums. Uh, and they had pinned a hope of him getting uh, some kind of help from a nearby sanctuary but that outpost has gone dark. So Val has to do whatever she has to do to to help her brother. She's got to take undesirable jobs to get her brother treatment, right? And wouldn't you know it, by the end of the issue, uh, one such job falls in her lap, right? But there's much danger, uh, not only from without, but from within. I don't want to get too much into it because there's another hook going into issue, you know, number two. She picks up uh, uh, a uh, couple people, and it turns out that one of the people that she picks up is 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 wanted by um, someone with authority in a really cool suit, and uh, could be responsible for a lot of really bad shit. So now she's got this person that she is responsible for, you know, taking uh, in in very close uh, contact with. I thought the issue was just amazing. Um, it's it's this it's a whole vivid uh, new world. And yeah, there's a world building in it, right? But uh, it's beautifully delineated by by Daniel. It's just really sharp looking. And when you got icky things that live in the shadows and it's all shadows, then you, you have won me over. The monsters are really, really cool. Yeah, And there's an action sequence uh, that takes up a, a nice chunk of the first issue, and then it simmers down a bit, and we get a little bit of the, the, the ways and means these people live, and then it ramps up a bit towards the end. So it's I thought it was a great first issue. Um, and I, I guess there was a Kickstarter for this or whatever, but I didn't buy into it. I just pre-ordered it like normal through dcbs and uh yikes super good super good um noctera number one from image that's great yeah and uh val's very very easy on the ice and in the hands of tony daniel 
um, it's it's a win-win. Yeah, super. What else we got? I read. Um, no, that's going through my new travels. I. Well, first of all, I finally, as I'm going through um, everything that I'm trying to organize and and moving piles of books from one stack to another, I'm, I'm realizing there are books that I have that I haven't. I have issues that I haven't really read. Um, well, there's not really read about it. There's nothing about that. There's I, I haven't read. I never got around to finishing. I have all the issues, but I never read the last three issues of the um, of the Christos Gage, Mike Hawthorne, with on uh, Badger Superior Spider Man, which is basically um, Tolliver or Otto in a new body uh, out west as Spider Man. Um, Anna Maria is in this book. Um, it's it was extremely entertaining, and and it ends. Um, it it's a strong ending. I don't, I don't. It, it's weird. I don't dislike the ending of the story. I'm a little disappointed because of um, where our in quotes hero ends up. Um, whether this was always destined to just be 12 issues or the writing was on the wall and, and, and Gage decided to speak. Thing. I don't know. It, it doesn't really read like anything was rushed. It just, I want, I would have liked to have seen Otto in this role longer. Um, and when Otto finds out, um, who's behind making his life miserable and difficult. It's, um, it's basically, it's the Norman Osborn of, uh, who's a Spider-Man in a different universe. He's a six arm Spider-Man. Um, and he, the, the news comes out that the San Francisco Spider-Man is actually Dr. Octopus. So, um, the people in, Spider-Man's life are taken aback and no longer trust him. And as uh, as he is, when when Norman shows up, he's he's threatening everybody that Otto knows, uh, cares for, loves, what have you, and he's going to destroy everyone in Otto's life, and then finally destroy Otto, unless. Um, he, uh, he kills someone on his own. Then, then Norm, there's a, there's a young child that, uh, that, that Spider-Man saved early on in the series and, and, um, they've gotten, they've gotten close to have a relationship. So Norman finds the boy and threatens to kill him unless Otto takes a life. And Norman's very clear. He's like, listen, this can't be some homeless dude. It can't be someone who's got terminal cancer and basically only has minutes to live anyway. It's got to be someone in the prime of their life. You kill them. I'll let the boy go. 
and um and the uh basically the the, the series ends with Otto just basically embracing himself he uh he he gets rid of the clone body he uh he becomes dr octopus again he he's got very little um when when all is said and done there's there's very little of the superior spider-man well he's he makes us believe there's very little whatever when he took over peter's body all the good that was fighting Otto in Slot's story um, that that made Otto want to actually do good. Um, Otto is saying that uh, at the end of the series, Otto's like, "That's that's gone. Uh, that's not who I. That person no longer exists. I don't. I don't care about you people. I don't care about Anna Maria. I don't care about this woman who he was ready to spend his life with, who uh, who who he met at work at uh, Modell's." horizon facility um he basically he washes his hands of everybody you know he insults him on the way out and um but it was all that was all an act because we do see um the uh him fighting back tears as he's uh he's walking away from them all he's like uh for too long i've been in a prison i've been in a cage now that i'm at last free you would have me crawl back inside be weak again vulnerable to men like Osborne expose myself to enemies. Just, he's like, stay away from me, trouble me again. And it should go badly. And, and as he turns around and walks out the door and the panel, the close up is on him and you can see his, uh, his face is extremely pained because he, um, he doesn't want it's best for everybody, but that's obviously not something he, he wished to do. And they have a, um, they have a funeral for Elliot Tolliver to you know, be gone with uh, with that persona. Um, but yeah, he uh, and and the final page is in that Hawthorne does a nice uh, homage to uh, Amazing Spider-Man fifty with the uh, suit in the trash can as as Otto is walking away and uh, the Superior Spider-Man suit is is also. Um, in a trash can. So that's basically, it seems to be that the, um, that superior Spider-Man is, uh, is, is to be no more. I mean, this isn't a new series. This, this wrapped up a couple of years, I think 2019, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a fun romp. I, I, I came out to it late and then got the back issues and, um, and I'm not sure, I, I guess as I, as books come in from DCBS or come home from the shop, everything just gets piled up on top of it and like i said i moved things around found these issues and i was like they weren't with the rest of the series because obviously i uh i didn't finish it but um part of me wishes i didn't because i didn't want to see Otto go that route but um i think k gage did a um did, a, did an admirable job following what slot had done and um doing what he could with the character but uh i'm i guess you know, Doc Ock had to come back eventually, and um, and and it is what it is, sadly. But uh, the 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 art's great. I know Hawthorne. I think has moved on to um, Daredevil since then, following Chichetto. Um I like Hawthorne's work a lot, but this was um, this was a neat. If if you find, you know, if they ever decide 
I, I don't know if it's been collected. I don't know if they might have put it in two trays or something. But uh, if you find the issues, if if um, if you enjoyed slots Superior Spider Man stuff, you'll get you, you'll enjoy this. Uh, and even if you just want uh, something that's uh, not a Peter Parker Spider Man book, um, you'd have fun with this. It really, aside from I think a couple of there may have been. There was there was an issue or two that tied into War of the Realms. That's how long ago the series was out. But um, aside from that, it's it's pretty much its own thing. It doesn't cross over to Doctor Strange shows up uh, in an issue. But um, it was a neat little on its own Spidey book, and and I uh, I had fun with it. Uh, I'm sad to see it go. But at least if, if you're a Doc Ock fan, then you know with the complete bull haircut and everything, he's back. I bailed before those. Before that series? Yeah, yeah. I, oh yeah, no, yeah, I did too. I didn't. I didn't even know it was a thing until I walked into the comic shop one day. Well, I mean, we knew that the worm would eventually return, but you can't keep Ock a hero forever. No, I mean he did fight it, and and I mean and it. He's unfortunately, you know, he walked away from from the women who actually cared for him, um, which which couldn't have been easy. So, I, you know, Gage is at least trying to show a human side to the character, but he's still, you know, it's still hard to ignore. They they say you know, Leper can't change its spots. It's I mean, he's 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 got a long fucking history of being a pretty bad person. So. Yeah. As much as I would love to see that all change in a handful of issues, it's um, it's uh, the basically the dies cast. Yeah, nice little wrinkle though that uh, he's bad, but does he really necessarily want to be? I mean, right. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a nice take on it. On a, yeah. Yeah. Because you always got to have the villains have a little bit of sympathy, like Doom and his mama. You know, Doom could be a prick, yeah. but he loves his mama. That's right. Yeah. Mama's boy. So, Jason, what, what up? What, what what do you got that's good? That's a good question. Damn. No. Um, well, there's a book that um, I, I am assuming, based on preferences, that Vince is a big fan of this book uh, in its original form. I don't know where Dap stands on it. But I just got what I have to say is a masterfully put together uh, collection of this work. And it is, uh, at least by its own description, the first ever complete collection of this work. Huh. And that is Frank Thorne's Complete Gita of Alizar. Oh, Jesus uh, yes. Christ. <laughs> uh, by Hermes <sighs> Press. It's wow, a big size. Okay, it's, no, it's, not big size because it's almost perfect. You better love it. That's all I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, it, it's it's a it's a <laughs> it's a white hardcover, um, and it's like I said, it's really well packaged. The the first chunk of it is almost like a coffee table book. It's got all kinds of uh, Frank Thorne artwork and a long interview with him and a foreword. Um, so I guess if you're going to get me to read back matter, it's because you tricked me into making it front matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and then we get the the work. Um, I was familiar with Gita because I likes me some some naughty some naughty comics, but I hadn't read it. I'd just seen images of it over the years, so I was pretty pretty excited by this when it was solicited. Um, 
And, you know, it's, you know, if you play armchair psychologist, it's pretty funny because Frank did his long run on Red Sonja at Marvel. That wraps up in 79. And then Homeboy comes out with this a a year or two later. And this is basically, visually, it's Sonja with blonde hair. And she's nude, and she and she's in a she's in a basically a fantasy setting uh, as a um, unintentional warrior queen. Um, Alazar is the name of the city she's from. It's a it's a city state. She is uh, effectively the head whore. She's she's one of many prostitutes, but she's the king's favorite, at least self proclaimed, um, and. You know, reading a book like this in 2021 is a fascinating thing because I think it's safe to say a book like this couldn't be made in 2021. It would be canceled before it got a chance. Um, but I am unapologetically a fan of uh, erotic comics uh, if they're done well. And this is uh, certainly a book of its time. Gita is naked throughout the vast majority of the book and frank thorne certainly knows how to draw a naked woman it is hyper explicitly sexual Hmm. um he pulls no punches in the description of what's happening Uh, it's it's definitely more of a cinemax than a than a porn hub though and that they don't show this isn't like serpieri with druna they don't show penetration or bodily fluids um, it's very much angled just right. You know, she'll be she'll be on top of someone, and you won't see the penetration. It, it's it's yeah, like I said, it's it's like a Skinamax movie visually more than it is a, a straight porn. But it's very much erotic, and 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 certainly they're acknowledging the sex acts. Um, it's disturbing at times. One of the first sex scenes is a rape, which was very discomforting. Um, she, uh, the, the lead character Gita, she gets raped by a person, a former king that she actually resurrects to help lead them. And um, the premise is, is, it's a pretty simple premise. She's chilling in the city-state. She's like the head the head prostitute. She's basically able to do whatever she wants. She can sleep with whoever she wants. In fact, the book starts with her laying in bed with uh, the court wizard who she likes to sleep with. And uh, there are barbarians at the gate in the form of trolls, and these trolls are ransacking on their way to the to the city state of of, Al- of Alazar. They eventually penetrate the city um, and start ransacking it, uh, and she is forced into, in an attempt to escape, a role of being uh, effectively a leader of the of the of the rebellion, or not the rebellion of of the defense of 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 their of their people because she takes possession of um, effectively a magical sword, AKA like Excalibur, but it's, uh, it's actually from the man who she resurrects who rapes her. And uh, she adorns some armor that is um, reshaped by a horny troll to fit her ample bosom. And uh, she go about, she goes about her business and the, the book basically alternates between action sequences and sex sequences. Um, it was a hell of a lot of fun to look at. Um, I found, uh, in fact, I much more enjoyed it reading through it, just flipping through visually, than I did when I was actually trying to read what is 
by any circumstances, an immense amount of words per page. Um, Frank was a big fan of showing you, telling you, and telling you again. There are um, there are dialogue boxes where they're telling you what's happening, and then there are um, captions in almost every panel telling you the same thing that's happening. So I think from a structural standpoint, like way overwrought as a story. But honestly, I don't think anybody's buying was buying Gita back in the eighties for the story, and I don't think that those of us that bought this collected edition really care about the story and the plot. It is a vessel to show a beautiful woman in lots of different sexual and action sequences naked for a bunch of pages. And from that aspect, it's a home run (laughs) because, because he knows how to draw not only beautiful women, but he knows how to draw uh, fantastical creatures and he knows how to draw combat and action. And so it's very much a book of the id it's it's dirty. It's incredibly for its time. It's for 2021. It's incredibly insensitive and sexist and inappropriate. Like again, that's why I'm I'm prefacing it because I don't want any of you to pick this up, not knowing what you're getting into. If if you're if you're not in a mindset where you can look at this for what it was of its time and just accept that it's like highly sexist and misogynistic and 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 purely exploitative, then this isn't for you. Like this is an exploitation book. Um, but if you can enjoy that for what it is, which I'm able to, it's, it's a heck of a good one. Like it's Mm -hmm. definitely, if you are a fan of erotic comic illustration, you should have this on your shelf. Well, Um, you you gotta know where it came from, right? It appeared in 1984. Yeah. Which was not the year 1984, the magazine 1984. Yeah. Which was Jim Warren's answer to heavy metal. So mm-hmm. from the get-go, the, the, the goal was to have a very high TNA count per page. Right. Uh, 1984, 1994 was a very inappropriate, misogynistic, uh, insensitive magazine by design. I mean, uh, you go back and read some of that stuff today. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's in, yeah, it just would not fly today. Yeah. You're, you're completely correct with that. Uh, but, um, Thorne was in the zone. Like, that's the stuff that he enjoyed doing, along with, you know, Corbin. Corbin can be, was pretty sexist. Corbin's female characters get, you know, mauled and maligned and manipulated every bit as much as Thorne's. Like, it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it was a thing. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. I, I look at it as if your first issue uh, of, a, of a female-themed serial begins with rape you got a little bit of a problem with the narrative, right? If that's how you're going to get yeah. the reader sympathetic to your character by raping her, there's a problem, right? Well, but- and, and this book actually begins with, with her sleeping with him because the wizard is, I didn't mention, the wizard is Frank Thorne. He he, drew, he yes. draws himself as a wizard. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's this beautiful buxom Red Sonia analog banging the hell out of himself. So, you know, you, could play, you don't right. have to have a degree in psychology to wonder what the hell is going on with the guy considering he, you know, had spent all those years drawing Red Sonia. He's and do you know who Red Sonia was? What do you mean? No, I who? guess I don't. I don't know well, if the that. wizard was Frank Thorne, Red Sonia was Wendy Peeney. Is that was that his wife? Ah. No, no, that's no. Richard Richard Peeney's wife, Elfquest. Wendy Peeney Elfquest. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, Frank modeled uh, his Sonia um, off Wendy Peeney. 
She's actually she actually appears in Red Sonia costume. If you Google Wendy Peeney Red Sonia, you'll see her at a convention. She does fit the part, or yeah. she did fit the part. Yeah, I love. I, I'm I'm an unabashed Frank Thorne fan. I know a lot of this stuff. Come on, we're talking about me. I overlook a lot of shit in in my comics. Um, wow. Yeah, and the fact that you know this is really not nice, but it's, it's superbly. Oh, yeah, she, Wendy Peeney was quite fetching. Oh yeah. Yes. It's superbly drawn. Frank, I always love Frank's stuff. Um, and it's dirty as hell. But yep. just look at it. It came out in 1978. Okay? So yeah. in 78, I was uh, 13. Right in the pocket. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I much prefer this, frankly, than I do, no disrespect to you, but like Vampirella, because... If you're gonna give me, if you're gonna give me the TNA, I want give it to me. Like I then, like let's have the sex, you know. I, I, I like I, I prefer it. I now that said, I, I, I there's a lot of the book I, I enjoyed it. There's a, a part where she's getting her sapphic on, which is dope, you know. The more for yeah. that, but the the fact that it starts off with the rape is is rough because I'm, yeah. like, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm like Jesus. I mean, it's so low, she's, she's talking about how it's like gonna rip her apart and that like she can't walk like you know like and then she just bounces right back from it and she's like all right let's let's go on an adventure it's like ah yeah you know it 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 spoke to a really insensitive appreciation for what a violent sex sexual offense like that would do to a person right yeah (laughs) and the and and it's implied that because she's some you know it's because she's a hooker she she can deal with it but it's like ah i don't know man like (laughs) but yeah but but like but and and that is one of the first sex scenes you see, but the book's a long book, and it 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 fortunately that's the only time that really happens. She there's another time where she's having a tryst with a, a another dude who's who's actually a troll in disguise, um, you know. So so she gets freaky. I mean, yeah, it's weird. Like if there's a spectrum, I think I still prefer like. Druna to this because like if you're gonna go there like go there you know like like let, uh, give me the nasty like if you're gonna embrace it give it to me right. you know but uh but Druna, yeah you know Druna likes it though that's well she well yeah, she's other than the rape in this i mean for for the most part gita in this book is a is a extremely confident self-assured woman in control of her own destiny right like right like they even say, like she's sleeping with Frank Thorne in the beginning as the wizard, and she makes it clear she's a consort of the king, but she bangs who she wants, right. when she wants. So you know, it's a it's a strange thing because I would imagine Frank thought he was making her a pretty empowered woman when he wrote her at the time, because she 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 owns her her own decisions, but like I just feel like you kind of you kind of totally brush that under the rug when you have her raped by a gigantic dude in the opening scenes. Right, you know? right. It, so on how many fingers can you count, uh, you know, the origin story of, a, of a, a fictional character, a male, that begins with a rape? Right. You struggle, right? I can't, I can't think of any. Right. But it, it seems to be a very prevalent uh, trope when you got female characters. Like, right. I, I would have never expected it from Kurt Busiek. Right, but then he had that Janissa in Conan, the the Widowmaker. She got 
thrown in a pit with demons and were or, or creatures and w- was gang raped and that's why you know she became that was an instigating factor in her becoming the widow maker and it's like really so she 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 got repeatedly raped and that that's your origin story i i, mm-hmm. I like i would never expect that from some somebody like Kurt Busiek but there it is it's in the dark horse run that that's genesis yeah yeah I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so I, like I, I would recommend this book though, I, I because I think it is, it is great to look at. I mean, the dude does not spare a detail, because all of the words and all the, it's all there. There is very little white space in this book. I mean, it it these, these pages are packed with 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 detail, um, and it's very it's very humorous in parts. She's she's generally speaking, beside the aforementioned moment we've already discussed very upbeat very swashbuckling right like she just like well i'm gonna lead us to victory and she she does and uh but yeah it's 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 interesting it's it's interesting i'm glad to have read it uh and i'm glad to have read it in this form like i said it's a it's a wonderfully packaged book by hermes press um certainly worthy of of the bookshelf yeah and it's it's a big book right like tall it's not, yeah. It's 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 uh, probably um, it's a little bit larger than a normal comic in terms of of height. Oh, so, I thought I thought they were supposed to um, print it like almost the same size as the OA. Oh no, this is not like an artist edition. Oh, no, okay. No, it's it's probably um, twelve or thirteen inches high. Mm, well, that's. It's it's more than magazine size, so yeah, at yeah. least it's bigger. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I don't have this, uh, but I I mean I have the stuff. Well, it just came out. It just came out. Oh, nice. This I have the stuff out. from which all this. I came got it in my from. shipment this week. Um, yeah, like I said, this is the first time I guess that they was all put into one one book because there were two volumes for there for there's an older there's a two volume collect two two volumes of his stuff that that are the same stuff. Um, but this is the first time I've put it all in one thing. Yeah. Fanographics, I think, put them up. There you go. Nice, nice. I'm glad you're getting your freak on with Gita. He draws a, a he Frank draws great everything. Yeah. Yeah, and he yeah, absolutely. Yep. I'm always down for the for the erotic comics, man. Yeah, it's sure. done well. Yep. How about that? Stunned. Right? Right. Talked about that a million times. Oh, oh no, dude. <laughs> right? Like, he's so cute. He, he seriously he takes me so literally. I don't get it. Uh, um, now, I, ha- I well before just they introduce this as Frank Thorne's masterpiece. Would you agree with that? Uh, I don't know. Right? Like mm. that's. I'm like really. Yeah. Because I would even say, like, wouldn't you? I would probably give the Iron Devil over this. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I have to go back to to Red Sonia with Frank. Sorry. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I oh, think I was ninety years old. Yeah. 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 I, I think Ribbit's really great. Like, I, I've never Moonshine McJugs is awesome. I don't think I've ever read a Frank Thorne thing that I was just like, wow, that's. I, I'm, I'm very. Uh, pleased with his artwork so a lot in most cases the story be damned i really don't care i, I just like looking at frank draw uh but yeah i, I think i'd have to go with sonia okay yeah, yeah yeah 
Um, I have something that, again, I, every almost everything I read this week was phenomenal. Uh, this is no exception. It's an anthology. Is it? It is. Uh, unfortunately, it may be out of print. I'm pretty sure it's out of print. Ooh. But you can get it fairly cheaply. Uh, it, it was published in 1996 by Blast Books. And the editor is Kevin Quigley. It's called Comics Underground Japan. And it's... Yeah, delicate sensibilities need not apply. That's all I'm saying. Um, you know how uh, all roads for me lead back to Garo, the, the anthology. Um, and this is no exception. All these stories are from, from Garo. And the editor... Uh, Katsuichi Nagai what's so special about Garo well it, it ran from July 74 to December 2002 right and there's a kind of cool story that um, instigated the publishing or the creation of the anthology Nagai is on the sickbed right um, and he, he's had tuberculosis like a couple of times and um, I think three times since the end of World War II, he got stricken with tuberculosis. And the last bout was terrible. It was by far the worst. And, he, and, he's, and he's in this, this, this hospital bed, and he's like, all right, here's the deal. And he's talking to the fates. He's like, if, if you just let me survive this, just get me through this, I'll devote my entire life to, to real work. And I guess real work to... Um, Katsuichi Nagai was publishing manga so that he got better or, or he got well enough um, f uh, that he went on to, to start publishing. And initially, he would like pick the bones of other publishers. Um, he would take their cast-offs and their, uh, you know, their, their uh, extra stuff and scoop and just publish, uh, I guess, uninspired uh publications but um he had a fortuitous meeting with an artist whose work he really admired greatly admired right and that's sanpei shirato uh, and you better know who sanpei shirato is because he's the uh writer artist of the awesome kamui remember back in the day uh eclipse reprinted uh, a good chunk of kamui yes it, it, it was one of the first um, translated manga on the United States, uh, on our shores, right? Uh, but they only did the first two volumes because it petered, uh, the, the, the interest in it petered out, which is insane because, you know, we got all of Lone Wolf and Cub, but we didn't get all of Kamui, whatever. Uh, so uh, they're, they're great stuff. I, I shouldn't judge. But uh, Shirato... Brian Clark just hung up on us. Sorry. Uh, I love Lone Wolf and Cub, but... Uh, I would argue that Kamui is as good. I'm just saying. Uh, Shirata was a Marxist, right? And, and and he was inspired from this this newly emerging uh, Jakiga, which is the literally tra translated is drama pictures. And uh, you had part European neorealism, and you had American uh, noir. It was manga for adults. There were mature things in it. Uh, 
and it had a, a, a cinematic visual style, right? So the pair hit it off, and the fact that the guy paid up front for pages didn't hurt, right? He, you gave him a page, he paid you. That's very uh, rare in, in publishing, at least back then. Um, and he, he loved uh, Sanpai's work so much that the title for the anthology, Garo, was named after a character from Kamui. So the anthology was born, right? And it and it featured uh, Kamui, and that's where Kamui comes from, uh, from December 1964 to July 1971. So you got this anthology that had mood swings. Garo would be, uh, for a brief period of time, it was like a punk anthology with... Uh, that gave way to Terry Johnson, a.k.a. Uh, King Terry, whose artwork I love, but it's like the, the Gary Panther had a Uma uh, aesthetic. At other times, there was like there was a noir bent to it. It was absurdist. It was Dadaist, but it was always anti-establishment. It was shockingly explicit. Um, it was all that and more. And this anthology, Comics Underground Japan, serves up a healthy stack of examples from various periods in the Garo publication history. Um, so what's inside this book, right? Well, you get some uh, Suehiro Maro, who Jason knows because he read Strange Tale of Panorama Island, some of his works in here. You get some uh, Takashi Nemoto who did the Monster Men Bariko Lullaby, which was reprinted by Picture Box. Mm, be still my heart. Hideshi Hino's in here. We all know Hideshi Hino, or at least you should. But uh, I, I flag some stories because they're just, they, they, they make you just sit back and say, what the hell am I reading? I mean, that's most of the stuff in this anthology, but there's just a couple of drop-dead, like, jaw-hit-the-floor weird I got no basis for uh, anything in this story. Like, what is happening? There's a story by Kazuichi Hanawa where a young girl collects a captive Buddha's shit. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, there, there's a story uh, called Hell's Angel by Yoshikazu Ibisu. In which a salary man uh, is walking home from work, and you know uh, you've you've read stories about the traditional Japanese salary men. They 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 work hard and they work long, and they like to drink after work. And so this guy's coming home from work, and he's in a bad way, and he can barely even walk. And he finds a woman, and the woman said, "You know, you shouldn't be walking because you could get hurt. Something could." Um, well, a concrete truck could run over your head. And we see three panels detailing a salaryman's head being run over by a concrete truck. And at one point in, in the story, the woman turns into a skeletal something with a tail and just walks this guy home. I just, uh, all right. Um, there's a, a story called Steel Pipe Melancholia by Masakazu Toma, which features a man who becomes a human patch. 
the guy literally becomes a human patch. His, he's, he's in this post-apocalyptic landscape, and there's a pipe, and he, he, he sees his wife, and his wife is dressed all sexy time, and she's with a bunch of people, and her friend is squatting with her hand on a pipe, and the pipe is leaking methane. And the wife goes, I think you should take her place because she's got to go to work. So you got to put your hand over that pipe so the methane doesn't leak out. And he's like, yeah, okay. So he, he puts his hand on the pipe and the wife, while, while he's immobile, he can't do anything but put his hand on this pipe because it's leaking methane. So while he's doing that, the wife goes behind his back with a delivery man and has sex. With this delivery man outside in this post-apocalyptic landscape, they're doing the nasty, and the guy can hear it as he's holding his hand on the pipe, but he can't leave. Like it's, uh, it, it, I don't know what uh, Toma was trying to say. You know, sometimes we have to do things we don't want to do, or sometimes, you know, we're we're thrust into uncomfortable situations. Uh, of which we have no, there's no wiggle room. I I, I don't get it. But I mean, it, it it's memorable nonetheless. Like uh, maybe these things don't need explanation. I don't know. But the uh, the story that I think would maybe turn most of of the readers. Um, well, it's very memorable. I'll give them that. But uh, it, it may have you feel in some kind of way by the time you're, you're done reading it. Uh, and it is from uh, Tales uh, of Panorama Island's Swahiro Maro. And it's called, this is the title, so don't send me any hate mail. Uh, the title's Planet of the Jap. That's the name of it, right? And, and it's a psychosexual tale in which Japan won World War II, right? Uh, they come out smelling like roses. They attack and they occupy the United States. They invade Chicago. They butcher the Statue of Liberty, much like uh, in, in typical Planet of the Apes style. Only half of it is showing. And uh, the, the, it's, it's defaced with graffiti up the arm. The torch arm says, Great Japanese Empire in kanji. Right? Uh, and, and they drop atomic bombs on Los Angeles and San Francisco, which, which ended the war. Uh, but the, I guess the metaphor here is that um, uh, Morrow equates uh, the potency of the Japanese soldier with sexual potency because uh, the opening splash features a Japanese soldier on top of a tank. He's straddling a tank. He's much bigger than the tank. Um, he's straddling a tank, and the turret, which... Uh, yeah, juts from between his legs is like a giant metal penis and it's oozing um, liquid from the tank turret. Like, as we all know, tank turrets don't ooze liquid. Uh, so he's saying something here. Uh, and it, it's further slammed home uh, where when the, the, the takeover of America is juxtaposed with the graphic rape of an American woman while her husband and son watch, right? So there's that rape thing again. 
Um, but the, the these two Japanese Rapo-rama. it's Rapo-rama. The two uh, Japanese soldiers are, are are having their way with this woman, and the captions are not uh, what you would assume would be uh, said or thought during a rape. They're they're saying, "Oh, Japanese is a very potent. Japan's a very potent country," and they're they're raping an American woman. Right, and the kid gets on their nerves. So, uh, what the one rapist does is he picks the kid up and he bashes his head against the wall, and the the kid's head explodes, and the face goes flying off, and the brains are 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 just shooting all over the place. But this feel good tale <laughs> culminates. Yeah, <laughs> it culminates uh, with the sexual release. And there is, you know, if it if we're gonna uh, create a story that's a metaphor for the potency of the Japanese virile male, it may be tongue in cheek. I'm pretty sure it's tongue in cheek. Um, there's got to be some release at the end of this, right? And the release comes in the form of a beheading, and it's Douglas MacArthur. They got him on his knees, and they slice his freaking head off, and it goes spinning and twirling in air in slow motion, but. Before you cry foul, they did grant Mr. MacArthur a small mercy. They let him meet his uh, reward wearing his sunglasses. So, he should be thankful. Uh, yeah, it's a great anthology, but like I said, faint of heart, you, you know, you may not, you may need to, to uh, push yourself a little bit in the reading of these stories. Uh, they're they're explicit. They're they're strange, bizarre, surreal, um, very anti-establishment, um, but memorable, right? Uh, transgressive, sure. I I love it, and it's called Comics Underground Japan. the The cover, the cover features a young man wiping his ass with um, with uh, money. While uh, he's reading uh, manga in the bathroom. Yep. I know you're all going to run out and get it. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's just it, must you know, read. No, it's one of those books that, like, you know what I mean. Say what you will about the. You're not going to forget it. You're not going to forget a guy straddling a tank while jism drips from the turret. It's those things that it's a very powerful metaphor. Whether or not it floats your boat, that's for you to decide. But uh, grab me by the back of the head and shove my face in it, and I'm happy. Right? There you go. Love it. What else do we have? Were you saving this uh, big ass book for your in your travels? I was saving the big ass book for, uh, because I have questions. Okay, so then that's fine. Um, but I'm not going to go too deep. It's just I the no, question. No, no, no. Yeah, it's I'll go into it in my new travels. That's exactly what I was going to do. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. So then we'll 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 tag on that because the the thing I really loved is uh, is for my new travels. I did start reading uh, back issue 125, which of course is the creator owned comics issue. With in-depth histories of Matt Wagner's Mage and Grendel, including Colleen Durant's A Distant Stoyle, 
Stan Kai's Usagi Yochimbo, Steve Purcell, Sam and Max, Freelance Police, James Dean Smith's Boris the Bear, and Larry Wells' Cherry Pop-Tart. And according to Michael Yuri in the uh, editorial at the start, um, this uh, Cherry Pop-Tart feature was supposed to appear back in back issue 107, which was their Archie in the Bronze Age edition. Um, hence its focus upon similarities between Larry's promiscuous cherry and Archie Comics vivacious Cheryl Blossom. Yet Archie Comics politely objected to its inclusion and the interview sat dormant for a while. Um, so recent themes and other is- and recent issues also didn't really. Wow. It. So I, I think that's perfect. That would have been a perfect uh, juxtaposition. I agree. Yeah, I agree. But if if you're if you're Archie and you're saying, "Hey, Archie fans, read this magazine because they talk about it." Oh, like, right. Yeah. So Archie couldn't promote the magazine because <laughs> yeah, questionable. Like we, con- yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But you know what? Then you got to make a hard decision if you're the right. publisher. Which you know, it's it's back issue. There's going to be other creator-owned issues in the future. So. Uh, it would have been very easy. It it it, it would have it, it's it was never it's not going to be a story that's never going to be told in this magazine. They will find a way. And in this particular issue, I think um I think it fits. But yeah, I uh you know, this magazine has come a long way from the stapled thick paper that it used to um yeah coming it's which i kind of miss i like it better yeah i like the uh, old roly-poly yeah a punked out spine well not even a spine just the, the stapled edge it when yeah. it was i looked at i got it too and i'm looking i'm like i don't know the square bound issue back issue is the perfect bound is just paper. it's weird yeah it's just weird it is especially depending on the subject matter if you're talking about bronze age books why are you on glossy paper right so it's it's but you know I mean kudos to Michael Yuri who is also um, the uh, the subject of the recent Immortal Hulk. Uh, Ross used Yuri's image as um, uh, Gyrick on the cover of Immortal Hulk reading no the uh, the UFOs comic. Yeah. Wow. So, um, but what, you know, what issue I, number is this again? Of Hulk? No, the back issue. One twenty-five. One twenty-five. Yeah, I, I just I I just started reading um, because it is it, it is a dense, thick magazine, which is why I love it. But yeah, they um, they they start off talking with uh, it's a mad about the early days of Brendel and the early days of Kamiko. Um, and how Matt was pretty much there at the ground floor. Grendel was one of the creations, one of the properties that uh, that really took off, that had a following, that had a readership. So when they moved, they um, the the black and white titles failed to gain much success, either financially or critically. The company decided they needed to make the move into producing color comics. This was just before the black and white boom of the mid '80s. So. Um, when they moved to color and then that's when Matt did mage, but people were still asking about Grendel, uh, following Kamiko premiere or primer. And then the three issue miniseries. So he decided to bring Grendel back as a backup in, um, in mage, but they also, they, they talked to the Panda brothers. Uh, 
Yep. There's an interview with the Panda Brothers. Um, they talk to Diana, of course. They uh, Bernie Moreau. There's, I mean, the 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 Wagner section, John K. Snyder, the Tim. S- I mean, the 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 Grendel section goes on for about hell close to not quite half the magazine. But then, um, but then, yes, yeah, so I'm going to have some some fun making some time to. To read that, I mean, back, we we talked about tomorrow's in the past. There, it's it's a great publisher. I, I I'm glad that they're they're around to kind of um, pick up the torch that uh, Fanta left with uh, with Amazing Heroes. And I mean, Comics Journal still exists, but um, barely. Yeah, barely. yeah, yeah. So so I'm I'm I'm, I'm I appreciate what uh, what John and company are doing over there. Yeah, me too. Oh, we always welcome to get that in my box. Uh, Alter Ego, Back Issue, um, all of them. They're just there's a wealth of information, and and you like yeah it it it's about a third of the thickness as the old one with the with the you know thick pulpy paper, but it's good to still have it, right? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. You can't and but In that's the, yeah. we go to conventions. Well, when we did go to conventions. Uh, you you see back issue and anything from tomorrow's and it's they're like three bucks a copy. Shit, I'm scooping. I'm going in. I'm taking all the ones I'm I don't have. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. All right, hey everybody, we thank you for listening to this thing. Uh, if you want more of the eleven o'clock experience, go to uh, Twitter and Reddit and Instagram and Facebook. Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash eleven o'clock comics. And do not forget, if you want your books, you want them fast, you want them delivered right to your door with zero effort, It's there's no effort at all, go to dcbservice.com. That's dcbservice.com. They have everything in the previews at a fraction of what everybody else is going to be paying. This is the thing that DAP was talking about. This is a massive hardcover collection. Another anthology. 500 pages and um it's called dc through the 80s volume one there's a lot of colons in this this title (laughs) dc through the 80s volume one the end of eras and it's edited by the awesome amazing superhuman talent of paul levitz and it chronicles the 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 last gasp of dc in the 80s which is awesome, right? Because um, you you need uh, it's very welcome to have the the an overview of DC's publishing output in the eighties annotated, severely, exhaustively, authoritatively uh, annotated by the people that made these books. Uh, there are you will spend as much or more time reading the annotations. And the commentary to these books that are reprinted here, then you will the actual books themselves. It's there's an incredible amount of text in this book, but and here's the but. This is the weird part, and I don't understand. I I, I don't understand the the reason for including some of the books in here. Like you get Superman four twenty three. Which mm-hmm. is the the the, the two part whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, which is very important. Uh, it, it's great to have it. Oh, wonderful! But if you do your research, right? There's an issue of Warlord in here that was reprinted, and it's it's Warlord number forty two. 
Warlord ended with issue 133. Why would you print issue, one, issue 42? 133 is the last issue. The Flash limped over the finish line with issue 350, right, in October 1985. In this book, you get Flash 297 and 298. Makes no sense. Why would you reprint these two issues out of the blue and not print reprint issue 350? Uh, it makes no sense. You, you get uh, Wonder Woman, three eleven and three twelve. Wonder Woman ended with three twenty nine, which was a crisis tie in. Right. Why wouldn't you reprint that? What what the, what is gained by by reprinting Wonder Woman three eleven three twelve? It it it, it has it, there, it ends on a cliffhanger. I, I just don't understand what what they were doing. What they were thinking when they when they when paul pulled these stories together i don't get it they're great i love reading them i I welcome it but if you're talking the end of an era why wouldn't you reprint the last issues of these magazines i I, right i don't think i i Yes, the, the the name of the book is the end of the the end of errors, but I don't think that necessarily means needs to um, coincide with nothing but the last issues of books. I, I it's it's weird. I know that uh, you know I, I would have to. I haven't finished the book. I've I've um because I've been really taking my time with it, but I haven't read all the text pieces to see what decisions were made as to why like i know that they talked to one of the cubers andy cubert yeah. and they talk about dad working on you know gi combat and sergeant rock um so they talked to a bunch of people alan moore's in here so i mean there's 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 snippets talking to other writers and creators but um I am. There's, there's got to be a reason why. I, I don't think so. There, there's a you, you don't get the first appearance of He Man and the Masters of the Universe, the DC Comics Presents thing. You get the 16 page preview that was inserted in into some DC books. I mean, okay, uh, Kupperberg wrote both of them, and, and you know you get this. Uh, commentary by Kupperberg at the end of the the 16 page preview thing which is I loved it back in the day I love it today I think it's great but uh, it doesn't make sense why you would reprint the the second time Superman encounters He-Man and not the first again it's 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 weird there there's they they reprint the cover for the last issue of House of Mystery which was issue 321 and yet they don't include any stories from 321. I, I don't get it. I'm not saying that the book doesn't have uh, archival significance. Uh, it's it's wonderful. There's there's plenty. Uh, you get Jose Luis Garcia Lopez's uh, some of his style guides. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. Right? Who doesn't want to see that? Right? You, you get a two two issue Jonah Hex tale. You get the destruction of Black Hawk Island. Like this is cool stuff. But they're not the last issues of of. Uh, any of them, uh, but the the best the one number one reason for buying this is, in my opinion, Alan Moore's uh, proposal for Twilight. Twilight. 
Yeah. It, it's, it goes on forever. It's literally like 20 pages long. And he doesn't only delineate what he had planned for the Twilight event. He, he breaks down why you should do events, who the dangers of trying to please old readers and new readers, um, the dangers of creating a company wide event, uh, and the response to creators working on books featuring included characters, like the dangers of pissing those people off because you're going to get mediocre work in the tie-in and it's not going to serve the publisher any good. Like Alan covers all the bases. Should we really do this? How, how do we do this? How do I include characters in a logical way that makes this, this uh, event organic and not just some trumped up uh, marketing scheme? Like he, he, I'm telling you, it leaves no stone unturned in his logic. But it is Alan Moore. Like we're we're highly aware of that. That that's what he does. Um, and this was right after Watchmen, so he wasn't burned yet. Mm-hmm. And he really wanted to. You know, this he broke down all of the uh, the DC characters into houses. You know, the the House of Steel is obviously the Kryptonian characters. The House of Thunder is the Captain Marvel characters. And, uh, you know, Captain Marvel Jr. is in love with Mary Marvel, but Mary Marvel is married to uh, Captain Marvel. And they have a, it's, it, it's amazing. Like, there's the House of Titans, the House of Mystery with the, the, the magical characters. Like, it's something that we would expect to see, but it's just never been done. Maybe because he'll call foul because he already did it and they didn't bite. Uh, uh, Dick Giordano didn't think it was uh, something he wanted to investigate because uh, some of the characters uh, meet uh, what he thought was ignoble endings. So, but anyway, it's this is a great book. It's worth every penny. I just don't understand a lot of the choices, but that means it's not up to me to understand. I know. I, I mean, it's. I mean, maybe I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a connection to Julie Schwartz. I I just I mean I know that I, so it kicks off with Brave and the Bold 200, which of course is is the last issue. But but minus the preview to Batman and the Outsiders. But um, and then there's a the Superman annual, which I don't like the way Buckler draws the Golden Age Superman Shield, but. Um, no, I'm sorry. It was a DC Comics Presents annual because it was Superman meeting Superman. But yeah, the 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 Flash issue uh, is. is I'm not sure if maybe it was to include the Firestorm backup. Maybe that's the yeah, end of an era for know. something. I don't know. It, I don't know. The end of an era is a backup, but it's uh, and it jumps I mean, all over the place. Like you have something from '82 in here, and '89, yeah. and '85. Like it's ping pongs. And I, it, it, it you need this book. It should be on every shelf. Uh, if only for the Twilight content, but it, there's a whole lot of other stuff that's well worth your time in here. Oh yeah, I mean, if you, if I think Levitt says it at the beginning, where um, if uh, if you were with us at the time, enjoy visiting, revisiting some of your old friends. If you weren't around in the early '80s, thanks for taking a moment to join us on this nostalgia trip, which is why, which is why I'm here for it. I'm, I didn't know when it was originally announced that it was a, it was a three part series because uh, book two, which has been solicited uh, should be coming soon um, is a, 
is devoted to the experiments like Thriller and uh, maybe Camelot 3000, all the little, uh, maybe Atari Force, just just whatever they did in the 80s that uh, they tried, and whether they they worked or not remains to be seen. And, um, and the final volume focusing on Crisis on Infinite Earths and the new status quo that that followed that so i mean this was it's 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 like paul just kind of like peered into my head and and was like what would look really cool on on your shelf and i i'm i am so glad that uh something like this is is coming out i i I would love marvel to do the same thing i i think uh, i would love indies to do i would you know i would love someone to do a book like this on on eclipse or first or i just you know just i want I this is the show I live for. I, I knowing that you know all the useless information I think is in my head is you know other people have also appreciated and and, and have committed it to 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 a thick ass volume like this and um hopefully other people will try this book and it's the eighties aren't to be all end off for me, but there's so much of what happened in the eighties that, that, that helped keep me a comic book fan. And, and I, there are times where I'll read something and I might long or, or wish things were like they used to be in some regards, but I don't, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, I mean, you, you can flip through some of these, the wonder woman story is silly as hell with the little aliens or the yeah, flash story it's... where, or old boys are like, you know, the, the grotesque looking dude. It's like some things are just like, yeah, that's definitely of its era. It's like the old Silver Age Superman stories that are just like, you know, done in one stories in 12 pages, and we never speak of those again. It, it's, it, we've, these these stories were done. It was an era when this could be done, and, and these stories could be told, and we've grown and matured and moved on. Um, but it's nice to know what came before. And, you know, any writer, um, like Tom King, like Bendis, like anybody who likes and anybody who's familiar, who's aware of like Jeff Johns, who's aware of the past and can take things from back in the day and either not necessarily retcon it, but manipulate it or make a call back to it. And if you are somebody who's been reading comics for decades and not just a couple of years, you there's there's that nice little nod to the past. Maybe an Easter egg might not. It doesn't affect the story going on. New readers might not know what the hell it means. But you know, if I could sit there and go ah, uh, you know, it's that it kind of makes my day. Yep. Well, one thing's for certain: we will never see a haunted tank movie. <laughs> no, 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 we will. No, 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 no we won't. No, no, they because... the, the, they fly the the Confederate flag. Yeah, the general. Oh right, yeah, The yeah. general who who haunts the tank is a uh, is is proudly flies the. Uh, well, not in the not in the re, not in the re, the modern version though, right? Uh yeah, I think it's still. I don't remember. I mean, I have no, the. It's, mini- a black, it's a black man. It's, it is, but I I yeah. think the 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 reasoning for the flag they do, but then there's a reconciliation. There's a, a you know what I mean. There's a coming to terms. I think. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's a reason why it's there, but the, it. back in the day, they just they just yeah. flew that flag. There you go. Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. okay. In your travels, um, this is 
this is it's pretty much a one shot. It 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 concludes the Future State Superman World of War two parts, but uh, this is Superman House of L, the Future State colon Superman colon House of L, um, also written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Scott Godlewski, who has I mean I enjoyed his work on Copperhead a bunch of years ago, but between after that and he did some work on superman he did some work for young justice and uh and he's been pitching in here and there usually following john timms he's the the art in this book is is stunning i um the coloring is uh oh okay uh gabe who, who did young justice but the um this is hands down one of my favorite well we're only in the beginning of march but i I don't want to say of the year but this is this is this is kind of this is a one shot to beat for me It, it it's um i love the idea of a bunch of um of superman supermans and super women it doesn't it it it's when 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 the shield when the symbol stands for something and it's there are descendants that pick up that mantle and and want to fly that flag and believe in that um i you know, my favorite some of my favorite pieces of oa are from a superman story that eddie barrows drew um and and there are a bunch of different super people um on the pages and and it's i love alternate versions of of superman and there is nothing but that in this book there's um there are there's a um thanagarian and uh kryptonian woman in in this book there's a um uh, um rowan and ronan are brother and sister um they're both wearing the shield, but she's also, she seems to also be a, um, she's a member of the coalition of lanterns. It looks like she's wearing the indigo, indigo ring. Um, there's uh brainiac four plays a role in this issue and they're, they're all being, they're under attack by, by the red King, who of course was referenced in the, uh, the green lantern future state books. Um, but between Scott's art, all of the characters wearing the shield in this book, um, the big action that's happening in it. Uh, I mean, if I juxtapose this with, you know, Berserker and you see, or Berser- and, and you see the, uh, the way the action, because there are, the, the, there are punches being thrown, there are bodies being, you know, torn into and, the way, just the way the two look side by side, it's 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 night and day. It's it's like if 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 it was if Garney's work was as tight as as Scott's is in this, um, I probably would have felt much different about uh, about that first issue. But this this has just been this this is a fantastic issue. I, I seriously I think and, and it really. 
it doesn't necessarily tie into if you didn't read the two issues of Superman on Warworld, it, it doesn't really um, affect anything in in this issue. This is, it, I think, it's a great standalone issue, especially when um, I don't even care really if anything in this plays out uh, in future Superman or, or or DC Comics. I just it this was the, the way. When, when the Red King is revealed and how um, how that is handled and and actions have consequences things like that it's just it's I really I'm, I'm all over the place because I don't want to um, I don't necessarily want to spoil anything with this not that there really isn't much to spoil but I just I, I really this may have been as much as I was enjoying, as much as I enjoyed Dark Detective, and and I had some issues with that story. Um, th- this was a great little one shot. I, I think this was um, this may be my favorite thing. And, yeah, and I understand the Wonder Woman story looks great, um, but this may have been my favorite thing uh, from Future State. So in your travels, Future State. Superman, House of L, loved it. I will see what anything, any other single issue or one shots um, will have to compare to this as we um, prepare for the at the end of the year for uh, the Ecloscars. There you go. Dab repping hard for Future State. Well, at least this issue. Well, there you go. Um, speaking of uh, alternative versions of Superman, My Inner Travels is a uh, a watch recommendation because uh, I was pleasantly surprised by uh, Superman and Lois. The uh, first two episodes are out, and uh, this is the latest in the Arrowverse. And I assumed it was going to be like, I guess I wasn't paying much attention. I assumed it was just going to be that, like them in Smallville, and I... I, I I didn't realize that it was a premise of them being older and having teenage boys. And, um, and I really like that. I like that because that's something I haven't seen a lot of. I haven't seen Clark having to raise two teenage sons who don't know he's Superman. And it's, uh, I dug it. The family dug it definitely is in the rotation. It was uh, really entertaining. I, I, you know, I have to say, and, uh, I like the choice of the big bad. Uh, I like the premise yeah. of why he's the big bad. Yeah, um, they go a lot of directions with that, and uh, I yeah, really like Jordan. I, I I I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about the kids, but uh, but I really I've, I I I feel I'm sympathetic towards towards Jordan. I, I I feel for the kid. I really like I like him a lot. Um, normally, you know, kids on shows are not uh, enough for me to kind of tune them out, but I. I think the uh, the whole family unit is is great here. Lois, I, they're in my mind. They're obviously kind of following the Margot Kidder model, but which yeah, is I fine. Mean, why do they always have to cast Lois as new sandwiches? I don't. Yes, I know. I I didn't necessarily care for Amy Adams' version of her, but um, it was definitely better than uh, oh whatever uh, the. Young lady's name from from Superman Returns, but it, it's yeah, I just 
I I like a a Lois that's 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 tenacious and takes no shit and uh she's she's in the appearances that we had during the annual Arrowverse crossover events, uh she she didn't there wasn't really enough there for me to go, oh that's definitely Lois, that's who I Yeah, she she nailed it. Mm-hmm. But with these two episodes, um I'm coming around to it. I guess you just needed more material to work with, but I, I'm going to. Uh, yeah, I I watched the second episode uh, this morning, and it was fantastic. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm stoked for it. Yeah, same. Well, there you go. Thank you, people. That's it. It's all done. Come back next time. In the meantime, like I said, Check the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Go to the website because images of all the stuff we talked about will be there. 11 o'clockcomics.com all the time. Uh, and uh, do yourself a favor and say good night. Right. This cherry limeade's pretty damn good. That's all I got to say. I should whisper it or do sign language. I think sign language counts because I'm saying it. You just can't hear it, but it's still being said. Uh, Tree yeah. falls in the woods. Does it make a sound? Of course it does. David. Goddamn cheater. Christ. You're a cheater. How am I a cheater? Good night. Oh, boy. We'll talk about this later, uh, but I call foul on House of L. I call big, stinky foul on House of L. Because they said at the end of World's War Number 2, the story continues in House of L Number 1. That's bullshit. <laughs> why would you do something like that? David, I don't know why. I, I know that because it... Well, we could do it after when we go. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. See ya. That's it for that one. <laughs>